FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weed revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the great feedback. Thanks for subscribing and telling a friend and all of that. It's been a real, real fun podcast to do, and hopefully you'll enjoy this one as well. Southwick 1998 is on the agenda for today uh, with myself and Jason Wygant. Thank you to the folks at Liat. Of course, uh, you know the name, and you know they, they came out with that original neck brace way back in the day. Well, they've taken that. They've improved that. They've, I think they're on uh, version 4 or 5 of that. They've got gear. They've got the Flex Lock boots. They've got Velocity goggles. They've got the 9.5, 8.5 helmets now. Head to toe, Liat will have you covered. They have uh, the, the pods, the braces for the neck, for the knees. They have chest protectors. They have mountain bike stuff. Uh, Liat has really, really blown up their entire line. And Liat.com for more information on that. If you're looking to get something from the folks at Liat, use, uh, email us using the contact form of pulpamex.com. Uh, I'll get you a code to use on the website to save. It's that simple. Uh, thanks to the folks at Liat for coming on board. And also thank you to folks at Maxis and Blenzo. Um, yeah, it's been really fun. So with me to talk about Southwick 98, it's the voice of motocross right now. And coming up and doing Southwick, depending on when you're going to listen to this, it's Jason Wygan. What's up, Weege? Yeah. Oh, the wick. The wick. The wick. Park the car at the wick. <laughs> um, this, is, this was a good race. Total mutter. Um, 1998. It was a very popular Southwick, Weege. Well, I think what's awesome about this is there is no track that is more known for the locals having a home field advantage. Uh, I'm not sure about Europe. I know that the Sandmasters in Europe in general, there's like a massive difference between like the Italian hard pack guys and like the Dutch sand riders. But for one particular track to like have guys linked to it, at least in the United States, if not the world, like Southwick, I think has that history more than any other track. Um, so we've always had these stories and we'll mention a lot of these guys on this episode, mostly privateers who race one national a year and all of a sudden are battling factory guys for podiums. But out of all of those stories, this one was the ultimate because this was the two local guys done good, became factory riders, became title contenders. And then incredibly, they sweep the two different classes yeah. and they each go 1-1 on the same day, John Dowd and Doug Henry. So of all those stories, this one was the ultimate day. Yeah, we're going to have Doug on to talk about his day, yep. and uh, and we're going to have John on as well. So um, looking forward yep. to having both of the, the legends on. And, 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 yeah, you're right. Like, whether it's Pat Barton, who led um, in 88 for a while, and I think he got second or third in a moto. LaRusso got third or fourth in a moto. Tony LaRusso got third or fourth in a moto. Um, you look at uh, Waddington, ran third forever in 87. I think he ended up getting fourth in a moto. You just, I mean, you can go on Scott and on. Scott Carter. Yeah, you just go on and on. Scott Carter, top 10 places. I, I don't put Dowd, Keith Johnson, and uh, and Henry 
in the mix with the local one-off guys. But but you know what I mean. But but certainly uh, uh, you can you can talk about them as well. Yeah, well, just in general, the local track knowledge works whether you're at a highly elevated level like Henry and Dowd, who eventually got to the point where they could win on any track and even in Supercross, uh, or the local guys. Because, look, even in this particular race, especially when we talk about Dowd, he's, his performance was elevated at this particular race, even compared to how good he was at the time. He straight up beats Ricky Carmichael on a 125. That wasn't happening very often. No. So I would say it is true that Dowd was no longer just the local unknown guy. But even he was getting a nice bump from racing at Southwick. Oh yeah, for sure. And and yeah. there, there was a lot of like uh, uh, I guess consternation going on in the pits a little bit because Dowd had moved down to one twenty fives, you know. And it was oh, it, people weren't happy about that. Yeah, people were just like, "Come on, man! He's a two fifty guy. We've seen him uh, have a great two fifty outdoor series in ninety seven, right? Yeah, uh, swapping giving a fro like a pretty good challenge for the time. Yep, yep, giving fro yep. a challenge. Uh, even on the on the boys in bike when he got a factory bike, um, he he was running up front, and yep. you know he's running two of these supercrosses, and Yamaha just decides to put him down on twenty fives, and it was a little bit like, come on, man, and and I always I've always said this, the Nathan Ramseys, the John Dowds, and these guys that just never left one twenty five class. I blame Jeremy McGrath, I really do, because I think if you're a boss of an OEM and this guy named McGrath was winning everything, and you you couldn't win jack shit because you couldn't beat Jeremy McGrath. You could at least say, look, we got a 125 title. We at least got a regional 125 title. Uh, check it out. You know what I mean? And because we, this class, this was the tipping point for 125s as far as older guys staying in them and not moving out or moving down into them. Um, before this, it was really strictly a kid's class. It started turning right around the mid-90s. Yeah, that's a really good point that you actually make, right? And it kind of culminates with Mike Brown winning the title three years after this. Uh, and Brown had gone around and around. I think Brown was 28 when he won the title. And then it was getting nuts when the, the YZ250F then comes in not, not long after. And then every veteran privateer is using that bike. Yeah. And it was definitely getting out of hand for a while. I think the real issue was more Supercross, right? Because there have never yes. been any sort of pointing out rules in the Nationals. Uh, but Dowd, yes, Dowd wins the 98-125 West Supercross title, uh, battling Villeman yep. all year. You know, So you have an up-and-coming Villeman, like doing it the way you're supposed to do, an up-and-coming young rider, and he gets beat by Dowd. Now, I'm surprised actually to hear that people were mad because I feel like when it comes to Dowd, his career was so weird and different that I'm shocked to anyone would think that Right, John Dowd is like your example of like cheating. No, it was definitely. Um, I was around back then this year, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, and also another thing. Uh, there was a big privateer money uh, in the nationals this summer, uh -huh. and Jimmy Button had dropped down and was riding one twenty fives for Chaparral. Uh, Kel Carruthers, a big road race, famous road race mechanic, was doing the motor, yeah. and mm -hmm. Button was routinely getting the top one twenty five privateer money in ninety eight, and people were oh, not happy, not happy. Yeah, I mean, he was I, – I know that it wasn't – I mean, he was teammates with McGrath, to give you an idea of the level. Now, I know that McGrath was much more in a factory program than his teammates on that team. Uh, actually, you know that yourself, right? Didn't you – weren't you part of that team at one point? Yeah, 99. Yeah, the next year. Yep. Yes. I, the, the ferry program and the McGrath bike, I'm sure we're not the same. Exactly. Right? Yeah, Jeremy had full works bike, and we were using Pro Circuit and Enzo stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's why they were trying to say that, you know, at least Button's team was trying to get him that money, saying right. this is not McGrath's program. But, I mean, he's pitting in the same tent. Yeah. Oh, no, there's kinda... definitely there's definitely some, some yeah. stuff going on. But, anyways, back to 98 yeah. Southwick. Yep. Um, I was there. I was working for FMF Honda. I was working for Danny Smith uh, on this day. And I have to say that I, I was looking at the results, and uh, uh, Danny went um, – Hold on here. Uh, I had it written down somewhere. Oh, okay. Uh, 26-11 on the day. And honestly, Weege, like, I remember Ricky's bike breaking. Um, I remember the mud. I couldn't tell you one thing about my rider Danny Smith's day at this race. I, I, I've been racking my brain. I can't tell you anything about it. I have no idea. I was there. And it was really muddy, and that's all I remember. <laughs> so, Danny Smith, I was there for FMF, FMF Honda, but who, uh, 26 uh, 11 on the day. Bro, I'll tell you what, as a mechanic in muddy sand, the fact that you don't remember it is probably a good thing. Yeah, really. No, it was it was a bad day. I, I do remember it was really, yeah. really muddy. I, and I remember the crowd losing their minds without um, going 1 1 on the day. And, and hey, we'll, we'll get the spoiler alert out out right away ricky's bike breaks in the first moto uh he's the defending champion of course in 97 98 comes around Dowd had gotten second of the first three rounds and then uh the, the comes to the wick and ricky's bike breaks but Dowd had beaten him Dowd had caught and passed him and was going to beat him um yes you know and so then in moto two he he does beat him straight. he does straight up beat him um yep. and and the yep. crowd was going bazonkers i remember that and um so anyway, so yeah, so Dowdy, that's the day in the 125 class. Dowdy goes 1-1, takes the points lead. Ricky has a DNF. Ricky's uh, motor, uh, it says in the cycle news that his head gasket went, and I, I think that's correct. I remember steam. I remember looking at the bike thinking it's not going to last. It's not going to last, that type of stuff. Yeah, so uh, what I remember uh, only watching this race on TV at the time, um, man was not meant to drive the distances that no. I have to, to no. get to Southwick. Um, Carmichael's bike quits. And just to give you like an early glimpse of how gnarly this guy was, because this is only his second full year as a pro. So I think there was still like, oh, I wonder how he would deal with some adversity. Well, we got an idea. When you see this on TV, and I don't think it's on YouTube. I just remember seeing this. He kicks and kicks and kicks and just never stops kicking. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. done. Yeah. You're done. You got, you're not getting points in this moto. It is not going to start. Right. To me, it was a little indicator of how gnarly – this guy was he was so like i guess trained to never ever 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 give up just kick the bike a yeah. thousand times <laughs> uh yeah. i remember and i i didn't this, nothing in cycle news covers this um but i remember other pro circuit bikes having problems too um it was sort of a team thing ramsey maybe had an issue um there was some, definitely some problems with the pro circuit bikes on this day uh, they just didn't take enough compression out, and then mud and sand uh, increased the heat of a bike, and something goes poof. Um, and I remember, so uh, High Point 97, we covered that. Ricky's rookie year, not good in the mud, had a terrible day. And now this year, uh, uh, the pro circuit bikes blow up, and now there's this mud thing around Carmichael for a while. He gets rid of it, but there, are, there was a mud thing around Carmichael for a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think of this more as like this ultimate Southwick Sandmaster and just local track knowledge day. But when I go back and read this story, they do pitch it more as a mud race day. And it's really hard to come up with an answer, right? Because in mud races, Henry and Dowd were good also. So I don't know how much the tilt was Southwick, and they're just good at Southwick, or they're just good in mud, or both. It's a fuzzy line 
Because Dowd and Henry were good in all mud races, really. Oh, n- 91 Hangtown, right? That's where it all starts yeah. for them. They, they, they both yes. win, and it's, like, amazing. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was – uh, I remember it being really, really muddy, and that's yep. about it, man. I, I just don't – I can't tell you anything about Danny's day. I can't tell you – you know, I remember the crowd going crazy. I remember Dowd winning, but, yeah, dude, and it was muddy, and that's it. So that's all I got for as far as personal memories here in the Lee at Re-Raceables. We're going to do uh, the categories. Don't forget, we'll do the categories as well coming up. Thanks to the folks at Liat, 5.5 Flex Lock Boots, Velocity Goggles, the helmets, of course. Head to toe, they'll have you uh, covered. And the uh, Motor Concepts guys, where's Liat? Head to toe and Liat.com for more information on that. Maxis Tires, SGB Maxis team out there this summer uh, with uh, Jeremy Smith and with Rod Bell and A-Ray. And Jordan Jarvis racing soon? Do we know? We each, do we have an update on her? Uh, she was actually at uh, High Point. Oh. Showed up. Last minute, she was actually at high point. Okay, all yeah. right. So she's back. Yep. Uh, Max's yep. tires used by Jeremy McGrath, who who we'll get to in a second as far as the 250 series, and um, MXSTs used by the, those guys. Light truck tires, uh, mountain bike tires. Maxis.com for all your uh, rubber needs down the road. Uh, thanks for su- supporting this podcast, and the folks at Blends are all on board as well. What is Blends all? What uh, What do you know about Blends all, Weech? Well, I, I can tell you one main thing which anyone can understand. And I'll give you another thing more specific that I would understand. So this is used by Michael Alessie, okay? And engine tuner, Terry Varner, as we say on this show all the time. The Alessies are not leaving anything on the table. Famously, famously, back in the Loretta's days, I remember the quote from Tony that would circulate the ranch. I don't even know if he said this, but this is just what everyone said. <laughs> I'm not leaving a tenth of a cc on the bench. Because, you know, remember, Steve, remember like 85s when they were called 80s? They were like 82.3s? Yeah. It was like that. So it was like, you know the Alessis are not losing, leasing, leaving one fraction of a horsepower on the table when it comes to whole shots. So Michael Alessi and Terry Varner, who's been part of his motor package uh, here and there through the years for a long time, uh, they use blends oil. And then and that also includes two strokes and four strokes. Uh, so blends oil has that sweet smell with the two-stroke premix, but they have a blends oil four-stroke engine oil. And it is used by Walker Fowler's, normally the thorn in his side, who would be Bryson Neal. Bryson's now out with a knee injury, but he did beat Walker a few times this year using Blenzall, and that's gnarly racing for a four-stroke engine. And thanks to Blenzall. Uh, learn more at Blenzall.com or at Blenzall on social. They also uh, are big supporters of Hunter Slauger out there, uh, who was a Supercross surprise this year, and then um, is racing 450 Outdoors. Uh, we saw him this earlier this summer. So uh, yeah. thank you to... Um, uh, to Blenzall for all that they do to help this podcast. So um, these are privateers. Yeah, yep. these have been really fun. These things um, we get great great feedback from from you listeners. It's really fun to do. Spread the word. I was talking to our buddy Randy Richardson today, and uh, he was like, "Man, one of the cool things about this show is like you know, old school guys who are at the races remember them. It's fun for them." But he's like, "I would imagine that people that maybe weren't around they might learn a thing or two. Uh, so that's what I would do. Spread the word to your friends. It's a different feed than your normal podcast, Steve, or mine. So uh, tell people to like and subscribe. And tell people, even if you weren't at these races, that there's information. As I have mentioned, telling the story of Damon Bradshaw in our previous episode, High Point 97, I mean, that could be the Jet Lawrence story or the Adam Cianciulo story or you name it, Teenage Prodigy story. Yeah. Uh, it all comes back around and not that much changes. So sometimes the things we talk about today are are... are still relevant from the past yeah absolutely uh good point um so 98 southwick let's talk about southwick in general here for a second i absolutely uh um love this place i i 
I don't think it's the greatest track, and it certainly nowadays is a, a bit used, let's say. Uh, you know, just the sand being taken away. It's probably not as deep as it used to be. Uh, all of this stuff. But it's just I love the race because the his, history of the race. You can watch, you know, tapes from the mid-'80s, and you can see the exact same turns right now. And the fans are hardcore moto people. Like, I, I meet so many Pulp MX show listeners there. And you're driving through a little town, and all of a sudden there's a racetrack in the middle of this town. And I just, this race is cool, man. I'm glad it's back. It was gone for a couple of years there. Keith Johnson, speaking of, who has a really good 98 Southwick, by the way. Keith Johnson and, and, and uh, has got it back. And, and, man, I'm stoked Southwick is back on the schedule. Yeah, it really is unique. Um, I feel like it's one of the tracks that will most surprise you if you go there in person. The difference between what you see on TV. It is so small. It is oddly small when you watch on tv it looks like any other track but when you're actually yeah. there you're like oh this lane and that lane are 10 feet apart <laughs> and you're right, right you just drive through a town and there's baseball fields and you're like where is this track yeah it's right there like there's a tree line it's like two baseball fields and over there is the legendary southwick the world famous southwick is just beyond those trees over there and there is actually a bar uh, built into the track yeah i never uh, i've never been there but yeah. uh, you went yeah yeah, it's pretty funny. It's yeah. kind of like a land that time has forgot. That's actually where the 338 uh, thing oh, okay. comes in. Yep. Um, I got to get my terms right here. Uh, give me a second here. I'll look that up. It, it, it's either a VFW hall. I think it's VFW hall, but I might have it wrong. I think it is, yeah. Um, yeah. So it has a completely unique flavor to it just by the look. And then I know what you're going to want to go off on here, Steve, is those fans as well really add – color to the event yeah it's great uh it's absolutely fantastic that they're they were they used to be right behind you in a starting line um we're gonna talk to doug about that a little bit but they were literally as you were standing there there was you know maybe a bike length of room and then it was the wood that you had to put your rear tire up against and then then the old asphalt uh uh starting pad um and, and they would just be 10 20 deep there yelling for dowdy yelling for henry uh, making fun of carmichael making fun of emig making fun of jeremy you know what I mean? Like, they loved the locals, and it was just – it was really, really cool. It was all quiet down there as you were staging. Nobody was saying much. You know, everyone was kind of picking their gates, and the crowd's just chanting or, or, or yelling something, and it was just – it reminds me of – have you ever been to Fenway Park? No. I mean, yeah. I like the Yankees. I'm not going to Fenway. Wow, so you just got to go, though, just to go. Yeah, um, it's true. Um, I know man was not meant to go those distances, but maybe maybe yes. one day. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, an American Legion post. Sorry, American Legion, not veterans of foreign wars. Similar but different. Uh, anyone that's in the service will know that they're not the same. So, yes, there's a post you know, for, for American Legion, Army veterans and whatnot that go to this bar. It's not there because of the motocross track. It's just in the same piece of ground, right? So I've literally gone there the weekend of the National, and there's some locals hanging out drinking beer that don't even – they're not there for the race. Right. They're not there for the race. They just, they're just there on a Saturday. Right. Did you ever yeah. go – to the Southwick pre-race. No, that was the I, – I do remember this, right? Yeah. They didn't have amateur day the day after the National or before like most, right? They had their own thing the weekend before. The weekend before, there was a local race always. It was a weekend off in the series for a number of years, and you would head there to go race. And this year, um, Sellards went. On, I was out of Honda. Uh, Brock was on the team. Brock went, um, and it took his mechanic. I think they drove from Ohio. We were based in Ohio this summer. And uh, they went the weekend before. I went in 99 um, and raced Amateur Day myself. I bought a bike. I bought Eddie Ray's bike, our buddy Eddie Ray. I bought his bike, rode Southwick Amateur Day the weekend before 99 uh, Southwick. Yeah, it was great. Good times. 
Wow. Yeah. So wow. a lot of guy, a lot of the pros would show up and, and race it. You know, I think LaRocco did it. Everybody wrote for FC at one point. Uh, Factor Connection probably did it. You know, just to get some extra testing time in. And then if I had it right, wouldn't they often just leave the track, like leave it rough after that weekend, and some, then leave it? Sometimes, sometimes it was groomed. Yeah. Sometimes it was just yeah, first practice out. It was just gnarly. So yeah, it was kind of kind of dependent on what year it was. So um, yeah. But yeah, Southwick is great. I'm glad it's back on the schedule, and uh, um, you know this this day was was pretty cool to see John Dowd sweep it. Um, Button got second, which is pretty good for him, uh, especially being you know SoCal kid. Um, so good job for Jimmy. And so Scott Sheik got third. He was on our team, and I don't remember Scott Sheik. I don't remember Sheiky getting third overall, or like the team was being happy. Like I, I don't remember any of that. Like I was just yeah, like, what? So, Sheik uh... got third overall. <laughs> Right, so a lot of it is the way the math came down. So Carmichael DNS Moto One gets second in Moto Two, then Raynard gets second in Moto One and crashes in uh, Moto Two. Raynard had some also unbelievable rides. He he um, had a Southwick. a Southwick ride in '99. He was 17 on RM250, right? Number 17, I believe. Was that '99? Yeah, uh, on a 250. Yeah. Okay, because the year before '97, he just catches and passes Carmichael, and it was like what. Where's this? Right. Only um, one moto, though. Yeah, 97 yeah. was Primal Honda. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so in 99 on a 250. He crashes yep. in the first turn. He's dead, dead last. And I think he got second or third. It was great. He just ripped through the pack in one moto. It was amazing. So Robbie's put in yeah. some good rides at Southwick, for sure. Right. So he gets second to the doubt in the first moto. And then I think he crashed out of moto two. So you have Raynard and Carmichael getting seconds, but combined with a terrible moto. So they're off the podium. Button goes 3-3, and Sheik went 4-5. Now, you might have a little more knowledge here because you were part of the team. We talked about Sheik in the last episode we did when he won High Point 97. But this FMF Honda team, according to what I'm reading here, Sheik had missed all of Supercross this year with Achilles yeah, and was just working his way back from injury. But I'm just going to assume that him just being gnarly, him being from New York, he probably rode Southwick. Uh, it, the muscle memory must have just kicked in. He goes four or five, but he gets on the podium. Yeah, he was not happy. I've said this before. He was so yeah. not happy with the bike and the team. And, uh, you know, he was supposed to be a factory guy. And I yeah. think that Honda just said, hey, go with FMF. And FMF itself was a bit of a of a crapshoot as far as, you know, how to organize the team and everything yeah. else. So Scotty was not happy. Uh, Bobby Moore was our fastest guy. He was our team manager. He was our fastest rider. Um, okay. And... and, and <laughs> You know what I mean, and, and it was just it just it, it it wasn't a good team. It wasn't a good atmosphere. Uh, Scott was not happy. He was sort of looked at as the, the top guy. I mean, we had McCormick, Danny Smith, Brock Sellards, and Sheik, and all of us kind of looked to Sheik for you know I don't know just leadership, let's say, or something, right? Yeah, like because he's yeah. the, he was the guy. He won a national the year before. You know what I mean? And yeah. he was uh, so miserable, so angry, uh, and the bike sucked. And so, anyways, but third overall, I don't remember FMF Honda ever getting third overall in a national, but. Uh, yeah, good work. Oh, Ping was on the team, too. Ping got third at Glen Helen or third in a moto at Glen Helen, but then he hurt himself right away. So we were down to four I think guys. this really just shows that, again, Sheik, okay, he might not be New England proper, but he could just could not help himself from doing well at Southwick, no, no matter how bad everything else was going. And also, uh, I know this from my research on the oral history of Moto Triple X, uh, and Cycle News backed this up for me. This was the first race that Brian Deegan showed up on a stiffy Suzuki, and he left the Moto Triple X team. Huge shockwaves in the pits for that. <laughs> so, oh, Deegan, I, I did see him listed as Team Stiffy. I didn't realize it was because of a breakup. Yeah, yeah, this was the first wow. race. So Deegan 
throws his helmet into the crowd at high point two weeks before, hits somebody, then they want him to apologize as the story goes in, in, in talk from talking to the people involved. They want him to apologize. He refuses to apologize or write a letter or anything. And so then he quits and, or they fire him depending on who you talk to. And Team yeah. Stiffy picks him right up. So there we go. Classic. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, um, uh, Tim Ferry, if you're in case you're wondering about Tim Ferry, he was a Nolan Yamaha, and uh, mm-hmm. Timmy's pretty good at Southwick. He went seven nine though on this day, so not so good for Red Dog okay. in the mud. But just FYI, um, so Dowd was the points leader, uh, 173 to 160 after this uh, uh, round. Lampson had won a round, uh, probably Hangtown. I don't remember, but I'm guessing Hangtown. And then yeah, uh, he actually did. Yeah, yeah shocking. Yep. And then Carmichael won the next two. Carmichael was the defending champion. But as this thing went on in '98, Ricky just started just just whooping everybody and, and won pretty easily. Well, yeah, uh, Dowd didn't have a bad season by any means, but um, to beat Carmichael straight up for any uh, outdoor motocross yeah. championship, as it turned out, was not humanly possible because literally no one did it. Right. Uh, he went 10-0 and 0 in his career. Um, I would say Dowd won this one. I think he won one more at the end of the year. I would say this was about as maybe difficult to challenge as Carmichael had. And again, yeah, Carmichael won the title. It was yeah. not a nail-biter. Yep. Ricky went but, uh, undefeated in Supercross this year, too, 98. Um, 97, though, he lost. 97, he lost Supercross. But, uh, oh, know. who who won the 97? Uh, you know remember. what? A certain gentleman named Tim Ferry. Oh, okay. And then, uh, um, so this was this was Ricky, like, you know, kind of coming into his own a little bit. He was still a little out of shape, but that wouldn't last too much longer. Uh, he, From most motos, what I remember, he would just decimate everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, the point I'm making here is Dowd leaves as the points leader. I, I don't think you can say it's a disappointment that he didn't hang on to win the title because he ended up having to beat the greatest of all time straight up if he was going to hold the points lead. And he still rode well, and he got second in the series. Uh, but to have held off Carmichael in the points is uh, not humanly yep. possible. Yep. So good job, Dowdy. You you came about as close as anybody else ever did. And winning your you winning your uh, hometown national, you know, going away, and, and, like, yeah, people were freaking out. That had been pretty cool. Well, I think even by 98, it was only Carmichael's second year, but I think everyone knew, like, you you beat this dude, you pass this guy, and you pull away from him, it's unbelievable. You know, yep. even a year and a half into his pro career, I think everybody knew that's something special, and you're not going to see it very often. And then the hometown guy doing it the home track. Yep. Uh, and not like Carmichael's a slouch on sand, but oh, as no. the guys tell you, Southwick is just a little different. It's it, It's not just sand, it's Southwick different yep absolutely lee at re-raceables uh with uh jason wygan here let's um well let's go to 250s a little bit and then we'll, we'll get doug on the line um and then uh talk about 250s a little bit so it's weird that you're even calling it 250s i'm confused i know right 250s. yeah 250s yes. let's talk about 250s uh so doug henry again like we mentioned goes one one he's on the four stroke um he he does yogi gives him a run though Weege. yogi on the honda gives him a run Dude, he does. He does. Now, Yogi had had some good rides. I think he's a good sand rider as well, kind of like Carmichael. Like, not a Southwick local, but he's good in sand. And uh, it was like this perfect day. Dowd wins both 125 motos. Henry wins the first 250 moto. And if you're watching this on TV, like, the last two or three laps of the final moto, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yogi's going to screw this up because he's (laughs) catching – Doug, and I feel like on the last lap, he almost got to the point where he was showing Henry a wheel. Now, I don't know if Doug was just managing it, but it was getting tight. Yogi rode awesome. He did. He rode really well. Uh, Of course, Henry was on a production four-stroke. They had the works block in 97. This was the production four, 
There's a 420 at this point, uh, 98. No, it was just 400. 426? No, but I think it was a 426, like what Henry's race, though, was a 426. Oh, you mean what he actually yeah, yeah. his race bike? But the, the, yeah. the works bike was a 400. Um, yeah, but I mean, the, the production bike was a yes. YZ400. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the 426, as, as the actual production displacement came... I don't know, a couple years later. A couple years later, but I believe Henry was a 426 on this bike. Like, that's what Yamaha built yes, for his race bike. Yeah, I right, believe so. Right, right. Um, so, this was weird. This was the summer. Uh, Jeremy McGrath uh, comes in, and uh, he's leading the series. He wins high point. He's got a broken wrist from a Supercross uh, crash, and he pulls out, and that was a pretty big shocker. And Jeremy would not come back to the outdoors full-time ever. After that, so um, the question that lingers, the bench, the all-time bench race question that no one will ever be able to answer, of course, is would Jeremy have won the outdoors in '98? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he would have, um, based on his '97 season and everything else. But hey, you got to be in it to win it, and Jeremy was out. This was the first race he was out. Yeah, it's a really weird situation because um, I, you know, we all know that as good as Jeremy was outdoors, he was even more dominant in Supercross. So. To me, the idea that, like, I uh, just hand him the title outdoors early in the season. And this is, we just did a 99 show with Glenn Helen that year, and that field's pretty loaded. It's the same guys almost in the, here in 98. You don't have Tortelli, but you, you still have Emig. You do have Henry. Um, you have Ezra Lusk, who obviously was riding well this year, as we mentioned. Uh, Albies there. I didn't consider it like a walkover field. So I do remember that vibe. People almost saying, literally, Oh, now that McGrath's out, you can tell everybody's trying harder because now they think they can win the title. And I'm like, really? Like, Emig had beaten them for an outdoor title once. Like, these guys really? Like, if you, seriously, if you put a lie detector to Emig, Henry, and Ezra Lusk and said, can you beat McGrath for the outdoor title, wouldn't they all say yes? I don't know. Great question. I guess not. I mean, the uh, vibe. Yeah. yeah. Even reading this cycle news story is like, you could tell there was like wind in people's sails because right. McGrath was out. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize. I do feel that McGrath's outdoor skills are underrated historically. Like right. when he was rolling, he was winning a lot of motos. But I just didn't think that these types of dudes would say, eh, "I got nothing for him." I don't know. It's I, I I'm leaning on the side of of, of him winning, but uh, okay. you know, we'll never know. Yeah. I mean, look in '99, right. he at at worst goes two two behind Tortelli. You know, yeah, uh, he just beat all those guys. He, he had it's a big crazy. lead on everybody else, other than some guy named Seb. You know, I mean, yes, it was yeah, Glenn yeah. Helen. But everybody yep. else rides there too at that point, you know. So, yep. Um, yep. So Henry goes one one. Yogi goes two two. Yogi had just uh, this was Yogi's first year on a Honda, and um, was this was a good Supercross season. This was the year that he stuffed McGrath a couple of times, um, and in ninety coming into ninety nine, he was thought to be M- Jeremy's only challenger. And then Anaheim one practice wrecks his shoulder uh in 99 and then was maybe never really the same again but um actually no 991 at the beginning it was 2000 that he got oh was it okay i'm sorry it was a good another good title fight yeah 99 him and mcgrath but um i feel like yogi was better in supercross than outdoor it was more like there were a couple of races a year outdoors where he would win or or run right up there it wasn't every single round or supercross any single night he could yeah, be the fastest. Guy. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I agree. And yeah. Southwick was a good place for him, like you said. I, I saw him there. One twenty five had a, had an amazing moto on a Suzuki back in the day. So, um, yeah. ninety six, my first year at Southwick ever. Ninety six, he yep. rode and phenomenal in one twenty five to uh, come come back from a crash somewhere. So, um, so again, Henry wins, and Doug kind of, I, I mean, he won the championship this year. 
I feel like it was, you know, basically kind of one of those ones. I don't remember Doug really coming under stress for this thing. We'll ask him about it, but I don't. Doug kind of kind of had people covered. That's the way I I, yeah. I look at it. Like you could just tell, you know, again, you got a gnarly group of guys, Emig and Albie, for example, guys that are very accomplished already, had won a lot of titles. But to me, it just seemed like Doug got it in control after this race and did what he needed to do. Uh, we can get into later that Emig goes on this bizarro comeback run. But uh, at this race, Emig's still not good. But I feel like Doug had it the whole time. <laughs> I'm not, maybe those other guys didn't feel that way, but it just seemed like he was in control of the points doing what he needed to do every week. Right. Uh, let's yeah. let's get Doug on the line. Let's let's talk to Doug and uh, and get his thoughts on Southwick 98 here in the Lee at Re-Raceables. And now on the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast, because we're talking about Southwick 1998, there's only a couple of men that you got to get on this, on this show, and uh, one of them is on the line right now. It's the 250 class winner, New England legend, Doug Henry. Doug, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, not too much going on here. We're, we're enjoying a, 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 a heat spell just like everybody else. I'm hoping it'll be a little bit cooler for the national. You know, Southwick in July, you never know what you're going to get. No, that's true. And speaking of that, this year was uh, – I was there. Um, it was – we had a really bad one in 04, I think. But, man, this one was really muddy. 1998 Southwick, I remember the Saturday practice was just a mess – and uh, uh, the race itself wasn't much better. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the thing with Southwick is I've raced it many, many times. And, uh, you know, we've had it a lot worse than it was in 1998. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, having a track that's, uh, you know, kind of sandy, it, it, it doesn't, you know, it kind of, um, I don't know, it doesn't seem like it gets too, too bad there. Um, but it, it, it can get bad. And uh, 1998 was muddy, but definitely not the worst kind of conditions that I've raced in. Uh, yeah, well, 91 Hangtown. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Who could forget that one, right? I uh, know. That, that was a river fest, man. I remember that river coming across the track. and you had One place you had to cross it where it was really narrow. And the force coming down the river, you'd enter the track on like on the inside line, and you'd end up on the outside line. <laughs> and then, then down the other end was like a, a like a, I don't know, like a football field that you just tried to wheelie through and keep your front end up as light as you could, just to try not, you know, try to save the bike and not get it right, not drown the bike, I guess. Um, you won Southwick a lot this day. You're on the four stroke in the 250 class. Um, and, and you know you you led uh, the whole second moto. Uh, we'll get into the, what happened at the end a little bit. First moto, you took the lead pretty early. I mean, I don't want to say they come easy, Doug, because they never do. But this one seemed like you were the guy. You were the man that day. Do you remember feeling like that? Um, I've never had that great experience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've I never know what I'm coming into when I come to a race. So. I, I come in thinking that I could win, and when I come to Southwick, it's like I have a, a better chance of winning, and I, I know the track. I know how my body is going to react to racing, you know, 30-plus-two 30, 30 at Southwick. So, uh, you know, I, I came into the race, and, and, you know, everything's a mystery with that four-stroke the first year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they definitely are a bit heavier and a bit tougher to ride in the sand. Um, I wasn't sure how... Uh, you know, kind of up to par, I guess my body was to be able to handle the four stroke for 30 plus two at Southwick with pressure from, you know, the world's best. Right. Yeah. You know, I was wondering that because I think, you know, now we look back and we see how good four strokes became, 
but we didn't know that in, in 97 and 98. And plus, yeah, I would think mud and sand, probably the worst case scenario for that bike in those days, at least. What do you think? Uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they were kind of heavy to start off with and then throw another 10 pounds or five, 10 pounds of, of sand and probably more than that. Cause you're, you, you know, your whole body gets soaked and covered with dirt plus yep. the bike. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 you know, just de- definitely is, is tougher to ride. Uh, I think, you know, personally a four stroke also in the that, sand. Um, were you guys worried, uh, even just from the reliability standpoint with heat and things like that that day? Yeah, there's always a chance because uh, at Southwick, a lot of times you'll, the radiators will get plugged up and uh, they won't they won't cool the bike like they're normally, you know, like they're used to cooling. So, um, you know, the, the, the four strokes kind of ran hot as it was. So, yeah, there were there were a few concerns there. <laughs> uh, and you had not you were injured, right? You didn't race it on the four stroke in 97. Did you not race Southwick? Correct. I was there uh, cheering John Dowd on with two broken arms. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember that. You were windmilling in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two casts. Yeah, actually, yeah, I'm trying to, yeah, because that, that was 97. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the, the budget. So you didn't have any Yamaha and yourself. You guys had zero data, so to speak, coming into this race of how it would go. Correct. <laughs> wow. Um, and speaking of that, what a team in 98. So it's it's Yogi. It's uh, oh no, wait, Yogi, that's ninety seven. Yeah, sorry, at that point. sorry, ninety seven. It's uh, it's you, it's Wyndham, it's Dowdy. Um, what a what a team! Like you guys, uh, uh, Wyndham's the up and comer. You guys are the vets that everybody loves at this point. Um, you're winning on one twenty five Supercross. You're winning two fifty Supercrosses. You're winning two fifty Nationals. Like, what a what a nice team. Uh, uh, it was around this time. Yeah, I I I've gotten lucky. I feel like uh. I've just been lucky with teammates. When I first started at Honda, having Jeff Stanton and McGrath and, and Lamson as teammates, it was it was really really good. We 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 gelled. We got along really well. And ever since then, it seemed like I've been fortunate to have uh, you know really good teammates. Um, you know, I had Bradshaw. I had Yogi as a teammate for a while, and and you know we became we were kind of rivals when I was on a mm-hmm. Yamaha in 125 class. And then, uh, you know, we were teammates and then of course he, he jumped to Honda. So then he became, you know, a fierce competitor. <laughs> um, were Actually, you, yeah, he yeah. kept you really honest, uh, in this one, uh, he, he was usually pretty good in the sand. Yep. He went two, two. And I think it was pretty close. Yeah. I believe he was pressuring me a good part of the, you know, the, I, I think the latter part of the motos, I'm not too sure, yeah. but I, I know he was, you know, he definitely kept me honest. You know, I wasn't, it wasn't no walk away. Uh, I had an NESC guy, a couple of them at different times, tell me that if you were an NESC fan, just a, a guy that you know knew either 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 you or John or whatever, uh, I had a, a couple of people tell me that you were either Dowd people or, or or Henry guys. Like like the, the 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 fans, although they were happy for both of you to see you both do well, you guys each had your sort of fans that were like, no, Dowd is better. No, Henry is better. <laughs> do you do you uh do you do you agree with that sentiment? That that, that, that I do I yeah. do agree with that. I right. do agree with that. And I think that came up through the through the amateur yeah. NESC ranks. I mean it was it was John and I battling all the time, and I I sort of took off and started chasing the nationals a little bit earlier than he did. Mm-hmm. So he was home racing NESC and winning and winning and winning, and then I'd come home and race a, a local race and race against him, and and we would just battle. I mean, we we would have the the craziest battles, uh, 
you know, he definitely taught me how to, you know, to, to, to be strong, like through the entire moto. And, uh, but I think once we, we became, once we became, you know, national level riders mm-hmm. and we were chasing the national circuit, I think that's when everybody sort of jumped on board and said, these guys, you know, I don't care who, you know, they're both awesome. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we want, we want them to win no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it was funny. It's, it's, the way it was explained to me is it was just like you had to be one or the other and you were always debating which guy was better. <laughs> and it was a never-ending <laughs> argument going around and around uh, for the NEAC fans. But uh, just think about having, you know, of course, Dowdy won on this day too. Um, what, what, what do you remember about the podium celebration and everything? What I remember about the podium is just the familiar faces. Uh, so many friends, so many fans, family. Yeah, everybody came out for that race for uh, – you know, you know, just in my my kind of close circle, and uh, you know, just being up there, and I don't know, I guess just just winning in front of everybody that sort of supports you is uh, it's a it's a really really awesome feeling. Is it crazy to think so? You and Dowd at one point are just like the local fast guys. I don't know if you both even knew you'd eventually even have factory rides, let alone be like winning nationals, and then you leave as the points leaders in the two classes, and you're on the same team. Like, did you ever take that all in and think, like, this is crazy how this has worked out? We were just local guys, and now we're on Factory Yamaha winning both classes, leading the points, and we're on the same team. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was, It was. you know, quite the week of racing, but, you know, as, as everything else, it's kind of sort of short-lived. You know, you, you kind of, you know, you, you experience that, you enjoy it, you, you, you're blown away by it. You kind of like a surreal kind of thing, and, and uh you kind of then you got to put your head down and you got to you got another race to go. So uh, it it was awesome. It was it was a great day for for myself, for John, and just for New England in general. All that you know, NESC guys. So it it was a great day that I'll I'll never forget. Yeah, we just think about the two guys winning Hangtown '91, and everybody's like, "What a fluke! Those guys are privateers. They'll never, you know, they just got lucky. They'll never win ever again. You know, they better <laughs> yeah. soak in that Hangtown win." But uh, yeah. <laughs> You yeah, know. you showed him. You yeah. showed him. <laughs> um, Doug, do you remember, uh, uh, as a mechanic, I was there so many times with you guys on the line, how close the fence was to the starting line and, and everyone yelling <laughs> and supporting you and then calling Ricky names and calling Yogi names. And, like, it was so cool. Uh, you know, even KJ and everybody, whoever the local was, you know, you had the fa- it was all quiet down there, right? You guys are packing your gates. We're all standing there holding the bikes. That was a really special moment at Southwick for me as a mechanic. I mean, they, they never really yelled at Tim Ferry or Nick Way or any of my guys, so I was okay. But <laughs> I just thought that was so cool how close they were and how much they would yell at everybody. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, – yeah, hopefully they didn't get too 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 nasty. But, I, you know, they, they're a competitive bunch, and uh, I'm sure once you put a few beers in them, uh, yeah. you know, they, they <laughs> their, their muscles kind of come out a little bit. So, yeah, yeah it, it was cool. It's I'm sure for – I think – you know, that's kind of how I became a fan of, of racing is just going to the national and watching and, you know, getting so close and seeing the speeds and, and, uh, then you get to see your, you know, your, your hero or whatever up close and, uh, kind of get a little, get, go a little crazy, I guess. Was that for you? Was that like Jojo, like going to a national and, remember, and seeing Jojo run, run top 10 and stuff? Do you remember that? Kind yeah. Of stuff? I yeah. mean, yeah, for me, it was more of, um, the factory guys. When I went to the nationals, I, uh, you know, I, I just I just remember watching Wardy and Vicky mm-hmm. Diamond just, you know, Lachine go crazy, you know, Johnson. It, it, it was awesome watching these guys. And, and it was cool to see 
some people like Jojo or Jim Mean and Dave Rudnicki kind of be up mm-hmm. Leo Foto, just a bunch of New England kind of guys that I grew up racing against and looking up to when I was an amateur. Um, and then, and then eventually racing them in the expert class and, uh, and, and winning, you know, but right. yeah, there, there, there was a lot of guys that were, were super fast and really, really fun to watch. Yeah. There was one year where Waddington ran third forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was, ama- he was an amazing rider. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty neat. Uh, go ahead, Weech. I've always wondered this, like the, the path in new England is so different. You know, you guys have such a strong local series. It's not like most of you guys pop up in the standard, like Loretta's or World Mini or, or Mammoth and stuff like that. Was your ambition always like, I'm going to race Supercross, I'm going to have a factory ride, I want to be national champ? Or did it just kind of all start falling into place? Or did you always have that vision even when you were younger? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm coming from the days of the super bikers. So I was on, you know, watching ABC. Okay. Uh, ABC wide world of sports mm-hmm. watching the super bikers go. And I was just a kid and I just thought that that was the coolest thing riding dirt bikes and I would love to do it. And I rode like little Briggs and Stratton lawnmower kind of mini bikes. That was the mini bikes back in the day. And, uh, you know, I, I dreamed of it. And then once I started racing, I would say it all sort of fell into place. I, I, I never knew where I was going to go with it. Um, I was just going to try and do the best I could every time I kind of went out on the track. And, uh, you know, the, the, the factory rides, I, I wouldn't say they, they necessarily sort of came easy, but, um, you know, w- once I, once I got on the factory team, uh, the, the, the pressure and the amount of resources, um, between those two, I was able to sort of put together a winning package and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, never really saw myself as being a, a dominant rider. I was just a strong rider um, who was looking to win championships, not necessarily, you know, be the fastest guy or the, you know, the, the best guy out there. I just wanted to kind of, I wanted to kind of sneak in there and win championships, you know, make some money, pay for my home. And, uh, you know, whatever happened after that, you know, happens, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it went pretty well. It went pretty well. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> I really do feel like I got lucky and, and I think it was just a matter of work ethic and, and training and meeting, meeting the right kind of people along the way, kind of sort of giving me, you know, the, the right advice to sort of move forward and, uh, and, and become, you know, become a champion or just become the best I could. And it, I it, was, say, it was a blast. It was a little puzzling to me because, okay, so in the 125 class, you were Right in there. You won two titles. You might have been the best guy of that group, or at least right in there with the best guys, right? So, you know, we're expecting when you go to the 250s, maybe the same thing. And then you have that huge crash at Bud's Creek, and that sets you back a bit. You come back in 96, and I'm thinking, I'm like, hey, when Henry gets all the way back, if Emig's the champ now, hey, he used to battle Emig all the time. He should be able to maybe challenge him for the 250 title. And then this four-stroke thing comes along, and this is going to sound funny. But I was so mad at the time. And I'm like, why would Yamaha take a guy who could win titles and put him on this four-stroke? We all know that's not going to work. It could be 10 years before they get this thing figured out. Why, <laughs> why is he doing this? Why are they taking their best guy? It did work out, obviously. But I'm curious, when this opportunity first came up, did you think of it as like, hey, man, now I'm going to ruin my next couple of years? Or did you think it was an opportunity? Because at the time, I don't think anyone was thinking this thing's going to be awesome immediately. I would say it was a little, a little of both. I, I thought to myself, you know, it was kind of like it, it, 
my heart sort of sank. I was sitting on Keith McCarty's couch yep. at his house at his house in California. And uh, when he told me that, that they wanted me to ride a four stroke and I had just struggled in 96 coming back from my, my back injury was way tougher than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and then they asked me to do that. And I was like, oh, I don't, you know, sh- I don't know if I want to do this. And, you know, he's like, just take some time to think about it. So I went home, talked to some family, some friends and, and, uh, you know, it, it was, it was kind of an opportunity to, you know, try something new. And, one thing that sort of might have pushed me a little bit more was that it was going to be a full factory bike. And as soon as they said that, my mind went back to the Honda days of, with David Bailey right. um, running those those factory bikes. And I'm, I'm just thinking, and DMC. Like I was a, I had a 1984 YZ80, and when Dave Miller did a, 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 a 84 YZ80 all done up, I was like, that is just awesome and my dad was a machinist he had a machinist background right and he worked for sikorsky aircraft so i sort of appreciated like all the little doodads and cool cool things about the bike and so you know kind of was like you know if i if i don't win on it well then um you know it's the bike and if i do win on it well it's the bike (laughs) (laughs) you know so it was uh it, it it, it was uh, it was a little bit of thinking, but once I made that commitment to go or and, and go for it, um, and then when I went to Japan to see the bike, I was just blown away. I was I was so happy with it. I mean, I got to ride it on a track that I rode it against my race bike and and, and the new bike or the new four stroke. And you know, on on the hard pack slippery conditions, uh, I was still faster on the two stroke. But I knew that once I learned how to ride this four stroke a little bit better. Um, hard slippery stuff was going to be like super easy on a four stroke. I, I knew that right from the get go. One of my uh, one of my first jobs at Yamaha when I got the job working for Ferry Doug was they they were like, hey, you don't know much about four strokes. I'm like, no, I don't. They're like, take all these take these motors and they were your works motors and take them apart and you know trash them, but look at them while you're taking them apart. You know, so how they work and everything. And I'm like, this is a works bike. This is a works bike. I'm just destroying this motor right now. I can't believe it. I was, I was like, I was like so bummed. I was just like, ah, oh, this is one of Doug's motors. This thing's look how trick this is. You know, it's really super cool. But yeah, anyways, that was one of my wow. first jobs there. Destroy these motors. So wow. Uh, <laughs> um, so we and as a guy that went through this with with Red Dog, but not to your extent. So the bike coughs on you and you break your arms at Bud's Creek, right? Um. The next year, you know, win the championship. We know that, and we know how well it went. You really caught fire the second half of the Nationals, and it was great. But did you say to those guys, like, hey, and I know Ferry did this. We switched a little bit there cause for, for some issues with carburetor, uh, more air boot stuff. But did you say, look, guys, I can't go through this again. Like, I, this thing, this I'm going to get seriously hurt if this thing does it again. Uh, or were you all on board for 98? Like, I'll, I'll keep riding it. I was all on board for 98. Um, I'm not sure how much you knew about the 97, but what, what happened there was, uh, we had an over, we had an overheat situation. Okay. Um, the week during that week of tra- uh, practice or testing or something. And, uh, we took that motor out and put the race motor in for the weekend. And then we had an issue with the race motor. So we had to put that overheated motor oh, back okay. in and something they they said that the uh what they think i don't know i'm not sure exactly what what i was told was that um a couple of the bolts had stretched during that heat that cycle. overheating yeah the heat cycle yeah, yeah. Yep. so something with the valves or something like oh, so, i don't know if it's okay. like 
yeah that so so that was kind of like uh you know it was a situation where um you know, I, I guess having the, the race motor go and having to throw that other motor in was, mm. wasn't the best situation. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was even on, you know, like bikes have, you know, bikes have caught. I mean, the ignition things are, you know, two stroke, four stroke. I yeah. don't care what it is. When you're having an issue, it's the scariest thing to go out there and ride something like that when you're trying to figure out a, something that happens intermittently and you don't know when it's doing it and stuff. But. No, I, I felt like the bike was pretty solid. Even though we had that, you know, a couple issues yeah. here and there, I, I felt like it was pretty solid. See, I just assumed because we went through carburetor issues that that, that crash was caused by a carburetor issue. I just really assumed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you really didn't have too many scary moments ca- carburetor-wise with, with that bike? Um, I wouldn't say – in the beginning I did. Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> or, or early on. Yeah, yeah. And then we kind of got some things figured out. Right. And, and then from there – we we did we seem to be okay. Right, right. And uh, you still have one of these, right? You have an OW. I do. Yeah. I actually have I, my OW is in Ohio at the museum. Okay. And John Dowd actually has my '98 championship bike. How did? <laughs> okay. <laughs> how do how does that work out, Doug? <laughs> uh, we we uh, he had his. Um, I'm not sure what year he won the Supercross title. Maybe '97. Yeah. Um, so he had his race bike, and I had my race bike set up at Mototown, which was the giant indoor yeah, I remember that. facility. Yeah, yeah. And he had gotten word, or I had, he had gotten word that the place was kind of going to kind of get shut down. Yep. Or I, I'm not sure exactly what happened. I don't know if that was after the roof collapse or whatever, but he's like, hey, I'm going down to grab my bike. Do you want me to grab yours? And I said, yeah, grab it. Okay. And, uh, he still got so it. He's got it. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so he right. got it, and I just haven't picked it up yet. Oh, neat! That's awesome, though. I'm glad. Yeah, and the OW, uh, that thing's pretty trick, man, for sure. That that bike is uh, that's a pure works bike, no doubt about it. It it is. I and I'm so lucky it wasn't at my house uh, in 2010 when uh, or or 2000. I'm not even sure when it was, but you know, I lost my house in the house yeah. fire, and right. that that would have been gone too. So I got lucky that my bikes weren't here at the time. Hey, how different was – yeah, so the 97, people don't know, is that, that full works bike. And the 98, you know, they came out with a production bike. So how different were the two bikes, the two years? Uh, qu- quite a bit. You know, it, the the production bike was kind of made more to for durability, mm-hmm. where the OW was made for a race – you know, it was a race machine. So yeah. I, I imagine they just put a couple hours on the bike and not have to worry about it, you know. Right. Yeah. So I know that the – that the, the the production bike had a lot more, mm, let's see, it was way more bulletproof, a lot more oil, uh, a little bit heavier with a lot of the parts inside the motor. Um, but you know, as far as you know, it, it was more of a it was more of a weight thing, I think, than mm-hmm. weight and reliability uh, and durability. I mean, your mechanic Pete Steinbrecher, one of the greats. He was a really smart guy. Well, he is. He's a really smart guy. And from what I know from talking to people at Yamaha when I was there, and and different people, he he really, really uh, worked well with you and worked well with that motorcycle. Yeah, Pete, I I love Pete. He's uh, you know I I remember I remember seeing him working with Talon Bolin prior to to working with me. I, he might have been like somewhere in between mm-hmm. there, but I just remember like I was kind of I went out running. You know, I I'd get up early at the hotel and just go running. And I remember seeing him, you know, out at six a.m. or whatever working on the bike. 
you know, kind of getting it ready. And it's like, you know, there, there's a guy who gets his work done before, you know, doing anything mm-hmm. else. And, and for me, it was like, that's kind of how I was where I, I wanted to get the work done before I was able to relax. And, uh, you know, P- Pete is, he's just a, a he's a unique kind of guy. I love just talking to him and hearing his little, his little, um, ideas about life and how things work. It was just him and I would get off on some really, really crazy conversations and, uh, we got along really, really well. And we still do. I mean, I, I get a chance to call him here and there and, and talk to him. And, uh, yeah, having that relationship, rider mechanic relationship is so key. And, uh, what, what, you know, once we sort of got hooked up in 93, you know, I knew that I wanted to stay with him for my career. From what I remember, you, you had Albie involved there. LaRocca was in the mix. I think Larry Ward was involved for this championship. But and of course, uh, uh, Fro caught fire late. But um, uh, it was. It, I mean, you won the championship. Southwick was the the kickoff to uh, a good summer results. Like you seem to have this thing in hand pretty good the rest of the summer, huh? <laughs> like I, I never think that. Okay, I don't know, just from being on the inside, right? You know, I never think that. And even when. Even I think Jeff Emig had called me. I'm not. Yeah, I think he had called me because he like broke his thumb or something. I'm not sure. Uh, do you guys know anything about yeah, that? Yeah, he broke his like thumb. Somehow he won Millville, yep. but also broke his thumb. And then yeah. he's like, he went, he wins, and then he's out for the rest of the summer. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So so he he called me and said, hey, uh, you know, I want to congratulate you, you know, or, or something, you know, I don't. I'm not going to be. I'm out. You know, I won't be uh-huh. racing the rest of the season. And I'm like, come on, this is a joke, right? You yeah. Know? So, so it was like, I, I didn't really pay attention to him. Like, I figure I'm going to see him the next weekend. He's going to, you know, <laughs> this what am I going to, is he trying to get me to back off on training or what? Yeah. What, yeah. What, 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 froze mind games. Froze mind games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, so you and Fro, I mean, in the 125 days, you guys battled pretty good, but you guys were actually pretty cool with each other. Yeah. I mean, we didn't get along. You know, or I shouldn't say we, we never really hung out or anything, but we right. didn't have any issues. You know, we, okay. we never had like, you know, um, you know, run-ins that were, uh, you know, too, too, uh, too aggressive or anything. We, we, I think we, we raced each other pretty clean and, and, uh, you know, we, we both fought for the same amount of ground several times, but we didn't do anything stupid to, to, uh, you know, take each other out or anything. Well, I gotta say, that's almost like, that's like your brand there, Doug. Like everyone in that era says, oh man, Doug will race you so hard, but I feel like it never spilled off the track. Unless I'm missing thing, I know there was one time with Rhino, yeah. but for the most part, yeah, it yeah. seemed like yes, you would be super aggressive on the track, but nobody hated you when the race was over. No, just just Rhino, him and I, <laughs> you know, we, we we wanted that same piece of ground many many times, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he would he would some you know, and I I made I mean that huge mistake in, in Steel City that mm-hmm. um, you know when I slammed into him, but you know you know like. Anybody who's raced back then knew that, uh, well, you know, they, they would water the track between motos. And mm. I took a line that nobody took that moto and I could not stop. It was like ice and I just slammed into him. But I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't trying to take him out by no means. <laughs> oh, okay. See, <laughs> people just see, there's just a video out there that'll forever be out yeah, there. You guys yeah. crawling on the track. Yeah. No one Google sees it. why it happens. Right. Well, that, that, yeah. that leads me to my next question. So you have that moment with Rhino. But you have your Southwick wins, but you have Vegas on the fourth stroke. Um, you have these iconic, or, or even your 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 Henry crash, you know the Henry Hill crash. You have these iconic moments, Doug, in the sport that fans remember you by. What do people 
when you run into them at the signings or, or, or when you were racing Supermoto or whatever, what do people want to talk to you about the most? What do they bring up to you uh, as far as you and, and be like, ah, oh, this was awesome? Like, is there a which one moment do they talk about most? I would I would have to say it'd be the four stroke. Yeah. Uh, no, yep. Anything to do with the four stroke, I would say. Um, Vegas, of course, was just Vegas was huge, but. Um, I would say 90% of it is the four stroke. And then the other 10% of it is their vivid detail of something that, uh, maybe I had done to sort of, um, I don't know, not necessarily change their life, but just like gave them just a positive feel, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was like in a, in a signing or a, giving away a Jersey or a glove or a set of goggles or saying hello or, uh, shaking someone's right. hand or, or, you know, it, it seems like that's probably about where, the, where it is. The Fox ad. I think that, yes, I think yep. a lot of people remember that ad. Um, yes. they did yep. a great job yep. with it and, and I think it inspired people too. you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Doug, you're probably one of these guys that gets fans that come up to you telling you stuff that you don't remember that they do. <laughs> It's a lot of those, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, it's tough. You it's know the tough. fans are. They, they remember this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. I do my best to try to remember stuff. But, uh, yeah, usually I have to just take their word for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doug oh, Henry cool. on the Liat Re-Raceables uh, is presented by Blenzall and Maxis. Is there... Is there a Southwick that stands out? We're talking about 98 here where you go 1-1, but you won on the 125 days. You know, you came back uh, half retired in uh, 04 or whatever, 03, and had a good day. Uh, you know, is there a Southwick that stands out for you, Doug? Uh, I would probably say 93 on the on the 125. Yep. Just because, um, you know, that I, I felt like I just – if there was a race where – um, I felt like I had the guys covered, mm-hmm. um, you know, like getting a start. So once the start's done and I'm sitting there in fifth place or whatever, you know, fourth or fifth place. And I, I knew that I could run this pace and go faster, you know, kind of like all day long. So as long as I didn't make any, any kind of bad judgment or, or mm-hmm. I, I, I think I, I, I felt like I had the guys covered and I'd be able to, you know, catch up and, and kind of pull away at any time that kind of needed to. So, uh, but, but still it's that start getting that start, getting up in there. Like for me, top five was a good start. So as long as I get up in there, I was, I was felt like I could win a race. Yeah. That's a pretty cool. And your local track and you feel that good. Uh, it's, that's quite a day, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. When everything kind of comes together and you're just like, I got this, I got this handle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, anything else? Weege? No, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about right there. Southwick. Making the making the locals happy. That's yep. really there might not be another race that's quite like as intertwined with like the local riders, the local fans having their day. So that's what it, makes this one. It's so the cool. Fenway Park of Moto to me. <laughs> yes. Doug. you know what I mean. I really I love the history. I was watching Southwick '87 uh, on YouTube the other day, and those corners are still there. Uh, exact same corners that you know you hit and RJ hit and, and JoJo hit and the uh, and Eli Tomac's going to hit you know and I just I love that part of it I I just think it's so cool yeah and and the bumps are still there like, yeah it doesn't matter how flat they start out the bumps will always be in almost the same spot as they were you know <laughs> right. the Nationals seemed like they were a little bit further apart but they were still there <laughs> <laughs> I got one more before we go here uh, so I've I've asked this I've done podcasts with. All of you New England guys, right? And 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 I've always asked this question. And we're gonna taking yourself and Dowdy out of the mix. Who was the best Southwick rider? 
New England guy, like uh, KJ or JoJo or Waddington or or Finkelday or you know what I mean, like Larusso, Barton. Uh, not counting yourself and Dowdy. I'd have to say the last one you just mentioned, Barton. Barton, yeah, he was so good. At, he was so good at hole shotting, and once he got out, he could get out front and he could run, you know, fast for a long time. I mean, there, there were, there were all those other guys you mentioned were were fast, but mm-hmm. um, when you went to, to when you went to Southwick, um, you know, you knew you were gonna if you were gonna win, you were gonna have to pass Barton because he pretty much hole shotted. <laughs> All the time when he was there. Did, so, he, did he ever just straight up beat you as a factory guy when you were like a factory guy? No. No. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> but he, you know, probably yeah. at the start. He yeah, yeah. Beat me on the start. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's the ultimate bench racing question, right? And uh, I, I know JoJo will listen to this and probably text me, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, awesome, uh, Doug. Thank you very much. Congrats on the on all the success you've had in your racing career. Of course, uh, we thank you for the time here on the podcast and uh, Southwick ninety eight. What a day for New England. Just what a day. <laughs> All right. Th- thanks, you guys. Maybe we'll see you there this year. Thanks, Doug. All Hope right. so. Bye. See you, man. Yep. Thanks to Doug Henry for coming on. Um, like a lot of racers, Swedes, you know, not a lot of pinpoint memories. There's yeah. two different kinds. There are. We have yeah, the Doug yeah. Henry, Damon Bradshaw style, and then we have the Chad Reed style. Yes, Chad told us on the last episode pretty much everything about Anaheim 2014. Yeah, every yeah. lap, right. the track conditions. <laughs> um, but I'm all right with it because I really wanted to know more about the big picture with Doug, not just winning this one race, but the whole thing, the four-stroke yeah. thing and the transition. Yeah. I was always – I'm not joking. Look, everybody was a Doug Henry fan to some degree, right? Everybody thought Doug Henry was cool. Like, I think. Maybe the guys that raced against him were scared sometimes because the dude would go, be wide open. He was but, Guy yeah. – his reputation was Guy Cooper light. Not yes. as scary as Coop, but he had it in him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but as a fan, I think all fans respected Doug Henry. I think so. so. I just yep. remember when I heard that he was going to be riding this four-stroke, I was, like, literally angry. I'm like, what? We have a contender that's just going to be out of it now. Like, forget it. Like, there's no way this guy's going to win titles on a friggin' four-stroke. There's no way. Um, well, it only took one year, and he actually did. And then what really blew my mind is, you were in the pit, so you probably heard this. Then, I think by the end of the year, when he wins the title... Now it's the, well, he's on a 400 against 250s. He's practically cheating. Like, I feel like that narrative started. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we, we, this bike is far from the advantage that the other bikes were. The CRFs, when they, when Honda comes out with their 450, that thing's an advantage. The starting lines flood up indoors and out with privateers and dudes yep. doing really well on them. And yep. the, the Yamaha 250, Guys like my old rider, Kelly Smith. I mean, there was tons of guys that benefited from it. Keith Johnson, uh, Easy Wider, had a great season outdoors on the 250F. And we were kind of, at the time, we're like, eh. But this year, 98, that bike wasn't some world beater. I'm pretty sure about that. Because in 03, I was working on a slightly better version, and it was no world beater. Yeah, I just couldn't believe that the some of the narrative, and it might have just been, you know, whatever. When you lose, you find everything you can to blame. Um, that I, I feel like in that time you started hearing people say, well, he's got a 400 and I only have a 250. Right. But I also feel if you're Yamaha, I mean, this is the most unbelievable best case scenario ever. They have a works four stroke in 97. And by the next year, they have a production version and it wins the title. Right. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And now, hey, we all know the way history turned out. Four strokes obviously were good. 
but no one thought that then. I mean, we had 30 years of conditioning to think there's no way a four-stroke could ever be two strokes. But as great as that was, I do remember then hearing Yamaha knows it's amazing that Doug did this, but amazing is kind of what Doug Henry does. And was this a Doug thing or was it a bike thing? Was it like, yes, this four-stroke is ready for prime time, or is it, it's Doug Henry. He does the impossible. This doesn't mean anybody else. I think I, I lean towards more Doug. You know what I mean? I, I do. The bike yeah. was good, but it was no world yeah. beater, as I said. I lean yep. more towards it was Doug's time. I remember talking to, I want to say Larry Brooks, but I don't know if I knew Brooks that well back then. But I remember talking to somebody important in 98 uh, as a mechanic, like somebody more important than me, which was a lot. And they were telling me like, these guys better get their championships done because Carmichael is going to, you know, dominate this class for a long time. And we're like, oh, okay. Like, all right. I mean, he looks pretty good on 25s. But, you know, basically uh, Henry in 98, Albie in 99. And then that's it. The, the, the tap is turned off. No, no more titles for anybody. <laughs> it's true. No, it's true. No more titles. Albie, <laughs> celebrate it now. Your 99 Yeah, title. it's true. Right. Like, if you're Henry and Albie, like, getting those titles, 98 and 99, that's a huge uh, resume thing on their career. They had already won titles. Albie had won world titles. Henry had won 125 titles. But to add this is massive, and you're right. Uh, the tap was about to be turned off. Although I – whoever told you that was pretty far ahead of their time because I think there was still, oh, he's so short. He's so short. Could he yeah. do it at 250? I don't know. I don't remember. But, uh, I don't remember who told me that. It was not a problem. It might have been like Mike Hooker because we would we dealt with the Honda guys a lot, right? Because we're a Honda 125 team. So Hooker was over yeah. there a lot, and Cliff White was over. Cliff never talked. He was super intimidating. <laughs> um, but Dan Bentley was around, and and Mike Hooker, and so maybe it's one of those guys. But I do remember somebody telling me that. So, um, yeah, it's true. It, um, it, it really I, is. I, I tell you the story of this GMCC that uh, Henry won in uh, 2005. I feel like I've told this story recently. It's just amazing. The Havasu? So, uh, GNTC in the sand. I mean, not Havasu, but darn sand. Oh, that was a works one. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Henry, yeah, yeah. Henry, won, a, was... Henry won a works one, I think, too. Oh, geez. Really? I feel I'm like, not yeah. surprised. Yeah. So, to give you an idea like this, wait, is this four-stroke actually this good, or is it just Doug Henry can do what no other man can do thing? This is like seven years later, literally, the 2005 GNCC opener. And uh, Yuha Salmanen is the most dominant rider this series had ever seen. The guy's winning races. It looks like he's not even trying. And he's very good in sand, as most Finnish riders are. And Doug Henry just shows up on, like, a vacation. This is, like, well-retired Doug mm -hmm. Henry. Yeah. With duct tape 118 for his numbers. <laughs> red duct tape, because you have to have a red background uh, for GNCC. And he knows nothing about, like, even the format of the race. I mean, you just heard our Doug interview. He's not much for details, okay? Yeah. He just rides. He literally is like, how does it work? They're like, you race for three hours. He's like, how do I know how many hours? And they're like, well, they'll give you a two laps to go. And then this, this uh, mini bike dad in the pits, this guy, Dennis Robertson, who I talked to a lot back then, he goes up to Doug and he's like, I'll tell you what to do. You just follow this one, one, one guy. And then when the white flag comes out, just burn him. And Doug's like, okay, that's what you do. <laughs> so lo and behold, two and a half hours, Doug just follows you, Salman. And they were like three minutes ahead of everybody else. They were just killing everybody. And Doug would come through and yell when he came through the finish line, how many laps left? <laughs> and they would not say one lap to go, so he would just stay behind him. Okay. And then finally we get to the white flag, and he comes in. He's like, is it the last lap? And they say yes. And then he hauls ass for 30 minutes in sand, Doug Henry style, like almost dies 15 <laughs> times. And he burns Yuha Salomon's ass like he's probably never experienced in his life. 
and he just beats him I, I, straight up. Yeah, I never, I don't remember this at all. I don't remember this. And then Henry comes across the line and completely collapses, as Doug Henry will do. Mm-hmm. He just completely emptied the tank. He collapses off the bike, and then I'm supposed to interview him as a TV guy. And I remember, I he's laying on the ground, Steve. I come up to him with the microphone, and I'm like, Doug Henry, do you have anything left? And he just shrugs, no. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. This is incredible. And I'm like, but there was always this fear at this Florida sand race that motocross guys were going to show up and make the GNCC dudes look bad. There was always a fear. Like Larry Ward would come sometimes and go fast or Pastrana. There's always a fear that a motocross guy was going to embarrass the GNCC guys in motocross-type terrain. So the legendary Larry Myers – one of the goats of announcing, or maybe the goat of announcing. is I don't know why he's there, but he's there at this race. He's just walking around, hanging out, talking to Bevo and his old buddies. And I was like, man, that is awesome. Doug Henry wins. It's so cool. I go, but what does that say that like Doug Henry can just come out of retirement, not even training, and just beat all these guys? And Larry Myers, the legendary announcer from the 80s and 90s, yeah. says, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, no, nah, people are going to say that. They're going to say these guys are second class compared to motocross guys. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't matter because it's Doug Henry. It's Doug Henry. This is what Doug Henry does. No one can do what Doug Henry does. Doug Henry does the impossible. <laughs> so no one will think that anyone else can do this. This is just Doug Henry. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, Larry, that's a great point. And he's like, free of charge, kid. And he just walked away. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> free of charge. Larry Myers, free of charge. That's a good story. I like that. Um. But, I mean, that, yeah. that is Doug Henry. Like, doing what you should not be able to do is what Doug Henry does. Yeah, absolutely. You think about his crash at Bud's where he sent it off yeah. or his throttle stuck or whatever. Uh, and yeah. you think about breaking his arms on the factory bike uh, in 97. And he comes back and wins Comes back and wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, or, or a four-stroke. Like, no way anyone can make this or, work. Or and he made it work. I worked with him at Supermoto when uh, when I was at uh-huh. Yamaha and um, Red Dog got hurt. I was doing a lot of Supermoto stuff with Burkhart and Doug um, up in wow. Apple Valley. And so I was there with the Graves Yamaha guys and working with the with those guys. And, yeah, he, he picked up Supermoto really fast, too, you know, without, without any problems. So, um, yep. So yep. back to Fro. The two-time oh. champion, 96-97, right? Two-time champion, wins a 97 Supercross title as well, wins a 97 outdoors. He is the fastest rider in the world, mm, sharing with Jeremy McGrath at this point, let's say. Right. Um, yep. He has a terrible 98 season. Comes out, just, you know, what's going on with Jeff Emig? I remember in Supercross, he would get some hole shots, and he would get shuffled to the back where I was, like, having to get my eyes checked because a guy with a number one plate, like, that doesn't happen to a number one plate guy, right? Um, yeah. Absolutely terrible Supercross season. Outdoors isn't going much better in 98. And then I don't even know what goes on. He goes 8th at Southwick, 11th at Buds in 98. Then goes 1 at Redbud, 1 at Unadilla, 1 at Troy, 3 at Washougal, 1 at Millville. And it was on yes. from here. It's, it's one of the most remarkable turnarounds, seriously, in the history of the series. He's getting... The guy, again, yes, the guy with the number one plate is doing horrible. He's getting like eighth, tenth. He's not a factor at all. And then he goes to Redbud and wins a moto, and then he just can't be beat after that. Yeah, that's it. Just, yeah, just starting to crush it, right? And you're just like, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah. And he and uh, Henry, because uh, Henry isn't just going to stand for it. Like we said, he's wide open. They had some epic battles. Um, when Emig, I think, is starting to make up some points. And I think Henry's like, okay, I can't just cruise this title. I got to maybe beat this guy. I think they had some epic battles over those couple of weeks where Fro was, was yeah. on the gas. The uh, the phone call was was pretty sweet. 
hey, I'm I out. didn't know about that. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, hey, I'm out. And then it's like, what? Huh? So. <laughs> Congrats. Um, well, I just Fro actually had uh, bike problems, I think, in two early motos. Now, they would have only been like, I remember doing the math at the time. He had two motos where his bike broke early in the season, and he was only going to get like ninth or tenth, like even when the bike broke. But I think at one point he had gotten to within, say, 50 of Doug. And I was like, man, even if he had those two tenths, he'd have it down to about 25. And yeah. maybe there really is something here. You it's only 25 points, say, with, you know, four rounds to go. But then he you, somehow got hurt while winning at Millville, and you, it was over. Your memory is phenomenal because I just pulled up 98 Millville on Cycle News because I wanted to see how close he got. And yes. I was really surprised. He was 50 back after his double moto sweep at, uh, at Millville. It. Nailed it. So good job yep. to you, Weech. And also, there was only two rounds left. He wasn't making up 50 points in two Wait, rounds. There were only two rounds yes, after Millville? Yes, ten, ten, Millville was 10 round, 10th round. Oh, so well, that's a lot different than these days. Again, I thought it was closer than that in my memory, right? In my memory, it's like he got pretty close and then he broke his thumb. I, I didn't realize there were only two rounds left. What I was mad at, I think you'll see in the cycle news reporting from Millville, is they're like, if he had just not DNF'd those two motos, he could have had those 50 points. And I'm like, no, you can't. He, when your bike breaks, when you're running in 11th, you didn't lose 25 points right. times two. Like, he would have lost. Yeah, so he would have only been down, say, 25 with four motos to go. Eh, not happening. Hey, speaking of Henry, too, uh, a little backstory. Can you imagine the uh, Fly Racing Racer X review pods when Henry's getting IVs in the back of his box fan and everyone is freaking out in 94 yeah, or rule. whatever year that was. Yeah, 94, I think, right. Yeah, the rule that still stands to this day. It's literally right. a Doug Henry rule. And knowing what we know about IVs, as a huge help. A huge help. Yeah. Uh, and Doug yeah. was getting them, and everyone was, like, kind of getting pissed off about it. But it wasn't illegal at the time, and, and you know, it was a big controversy and man, we we would have if we were around as pit reporters back then, it would have would have really been some interesting conversations for sure. Yeah, and what would the comments and social media reaction be? Yeah, this guy yeah. getting IVs. He's got yeah, HGH yeah, in his bag. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, pretty crazy how that all how that all worked out. The Fro ninety eight bounced back and then injured, but and he got injured while winning Millville. I I will never understand. <laughs> he broke his thumb. But still won the moto, and then was like, "Yeah, I'm out." I, I, the whole I, the story's been told a million times by Hemig himself, but the whole '98 year is one of the most bizarre ever uh, that a rider has ever had. Jeff Hemig's 1998. And uh, for the record, Ricky had a uh, 60, 64 point lead at Millville after Millville with two to go. Sorry, Dowdy. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, exactly. You weren't going to beat the greatest of all time. Yep. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's speaking of Dowdy. Let's let's call him up and uh, and see what he's got to say about about that day at Southwick. And now, uh, as promised, it's it's the junkyard dog John Dowd on the Liat Reraceables. Dowdy, thanks for doing this, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, it's not every day I get to talk to you guys, and uh, you know, it's, it's almost like uh, the old days. Yeah, really, right? Well, hey, what a day this was <laughs> for you in '98 Southwick, one-one uh, on the day. Uh, you know, there's a general. I, I feel like there's a general consensus when you talk about this day that oh, Ricky's bike blew up. That's the day Ricky's bike blew up and Dowdy won. But oh no, Dowdy, yeah. you had them both motos, bike blow up or not. Yeah, I mean, you know. I think I did. I, you know, I don't know. Ricky might argue a little bit, but I, uh, I don't know. He's always giving me props. You know, it's, it's cool when 
you know, when I talk to Ricky here, you know, once in a while over mm-hmm. the years, but he always brings it up. He's like, Saudi, man, you got me a topic, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of cool to hear that from him. But I, I do remember that I did actually pass him before his bike blew up. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah. it was, it was a few laps before his bike blew up. So it was, uh, I think it was legit, you know? Oh, for sure. A second moto, he, he, he makes it all moto. At one point in the second yeah. moto, you have a 20 second lead on him. Yeah, no, I, I remember. Well, I never even saw him second moto. I think I whole shot the thing in you, that. And you did, man. It was just like I felt like a real superstar that day. <laughs> <laughs> I well, felt well, like Ricky Carmichael that day. <laughs> we didn't know. We knew he was good, but then he turned out to be the yeah. best ever. So it actually, I, it's actually even better yeah, than it was yeah. back then. <laughs> no, I was cool. And you know what's funny about Southwick is I, I always felt like I was good enough to do good there. But I had this weird, like, I'll say monkey on my back sort of thing. I went there for, for years previous, and, and I always had, like, uh, weird bad luck. You know, like, I I forget what year. I think 96, maybe I won one moto, and my bike blew up. I crashed, and Reynard went down right in front of me off one of the drop-offs, and I plowed into him and wrecked my radiator and blew up my bike. So it was, like, a one DNF. And I had a similar, uh, I think, in 96. I don't even remember, 97, 97 maybe. Mm-hmm. What year did I? One year I, I won one moto and, and my shock blew in the other moto or something in the 250 class. Yeah, so you started thinking know. you were cursed there a little bit. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, yeah. I I actually, you know, I, I won other places before I won at Southwick, which was kind of odd. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in my life, I always would have thought I would have been able to, you know, catch some guys off guard there first. But, I, yeah, I just I did have some weird bad luck there you know it's kind of funny but but 98 was was awesome man that was a shoot one of the that was definitely probably my best year in my career all in all you know we were talking about this with uh with with doug i mean i just cannot believe what an amazing full circle thing that you guys end up in the two separate classes but you're both in the same team and you both go one one yeah like that's just crazy that it worked out that way. And don't forget, they won Hangtown. And then you, you two won Hangtown in 91, the mother, right. right, as privateers. Right. And now you come back around seven years later, and you win the national uh, for Factory yeah. Yamaha. Yeah. Yeah. Like, me and Doug, we, we had, we've, our whole lives, we had this real funny, like, love-hate relationship thing. <laughs> Oh man! Well, Look at that, that. man. We, we heard that. We we, yeah, we, <laughs> we so I we talk, I asked Doug that. Um, I said from people I talked to, NASC guys, fans, riders, you know, over the years, all these different people. Like you were either Doug Henry fan, and he was better than John yeah. Dowd, or you were Do- John Dowd fat, and he was better than Doug Henry. There was no middle line here. It was it was you were a Dowd guy or a Henry guy. Yeah, it was like it was yeah, it was just divided. And back in our local days, like man, we used to. And we pounded on each other, and I, you know, I, I actually, uh, I thank God for the for those days because I, I honestly believe that's what elevated probably both of us to wherever you know to whatever we to the level that we got to. You know, we chased each other. We got so focused on each other that we didn't even realize how you know probably how fast we were getting going. And then when we got to the national level, you know, I, I think that was the that was what helped us along the way. You know. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. But so, you know, I, personally, how I was remember, it like between you two? Well, in the early years, we, we weren't friends. You know, okay. it was definitely like, yeah, <laughs> that freaking Henry guy, you know. Yeah. And I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure them guys did the same thing to us. Yep. You know, but once we, uh, I, I think once we both ventured out and started doing national stuff, then we actually became, 
we became you know better friends just because we were both uh, kind of you know local guys from the same. Mm-hmm. It was like kind of East Coast guys against the against the world or whatever you want to call it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then we yeah we we became good friends after that. But it was uh, I just yeah. remember I remember I can't believe the Doug just won that race or whatever. You know I'm I'm sitting there watching him and he wins the 125 and I'm like you gotta be kidding me. How am I gonna top that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I'm gonna right. win a national now to match this guy. Right. Yeah. I mean because I think. The race before that, I got fifth at Hangtown in 91. And then uh, I think Doug, I think he got like fourth or something. I was like, man, this freaking guy, he's just always like, <laughs> he's always getting in my, in my limelight or right, something, right. you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. We were, we were also yeah. talking about this podcast, and I blame Jeremy McGrath for the fact that you rode 125s, Dowdy, because, like, I think what was going on was Jeremy was winning every single 250 Supercross uh, race there was and, and the championship, and I think the OEMs were like, dude, we need titles. Like, we got to win a title just to prove to our bosses that we know what we're doing. We'll take a 125 title because b- before you drop down – it really wasn't yeah. an older class anymore. You dropped down. Nathan Ramsey stayed down forever. He moved back down. Like it, it was around this time when OEMs are like, "Screw it, we don't care if this dude is older or whatever. We just want a championship." And and so that leads me to my next thing, point. So in '97, you know, you're a 250 guy. Um, you you, you do a great job uh, outdoors on 250s, and then now they're telling yeah. you, "Hey, we want you to ride 125s." Uh, outdoors as well. What what are you are you taking that okay? Are you fine with that? Well, you know what I actually was. I, I mean, I think if I had just if it was just my choice, I would have stayed in the two fifty because I felt like I was kind of a, a front runner there in ninety seven. You know, but uh, I don't know, man. I was I I just uh, I remember every year I had I even had an option of a factory ride. I was pumped. I'm like, yeah, shit, I'll I'll take that deal. <laughs> I'll ride whatever you want, <laughs> right? I remember begging Keith McCarty at one. I think it was maybe even in '96. Because remember, I, I rode the. I went back to the outdoors in '96. Yep. And the 125 as well. '95 I did 250. '96 I was 125. '97 I did 250. '98 I was 125 again. Oh wow! So yeah, that's right. <laughs> you did bounce 90, around a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but in '96 I literally was. I was begging Keith McCarty. <laughs> It, it may sound funny, but I was—I literally was begging him. I'm like, "Come on, I'll, I'll ride that thing. I can, you know, I, I race local. I, I beat Doug on a 125. I, I beat Ezra Lusk a few times in the Winter Series. I like, I can ride that thing. Put me on it. You know, I was like, put me on, coach. <laughs> oh, okay. So you yeah, were so. you were fine with all this. All right, yeah, you were fine. You're like, whatever. It's a factory Yamaha. I'm good. That, exactly. I was like, I don't. I mean, like I said, if I if I had my choice, I may have stayed in the right. in the 250 and 98, but. All in all, it probably wasn't a bad uh, a bad move, anyways. You know, except for that little freaking Carmichael guy, man. He yeah. really yeah, he's sort of, yeah, he's pretty good. He, he rained pretty- on my parade in '98. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and because of Ricky's DNF at this point, this was round four of the series. You go one one. You now have a thirteen point lead uh, in the series. And and again, like we just saying, like. We knew Carmichael was good, and, and you know this would be a tough test for you. But we didn't know he would go on to win 189 motos in his uh, outdoor <laughs> career. You know what I mean? At this point in '98, yeah. I was a mechanic. People were like, "Oh yeah, Ricky's pretty good," but ah, I don't think he was on the path to an all-time great at this point in '98. Yeah, great. Yeah, we didn't know. We didn't know he was that yeah. good yet. But uh, yeah. yeah, and and I'm I'm not the only one that that he's rained on the parade. Like there's many guys along the, over the years that have probably 
saying the oh. same thing, you know, Kevin and a few other guys, you know, are like, damn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tim, a little redhead. Tim Ferry and I would have a few race wins uh, if it wasn't for the, the four because uh, there was a few seconds yeah. in there for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. For sure, so. Um, <laughs> So what a feeling I must have been dowdy to have. I mean, every year at Southwick, right? Like every year you go back, shit, you made the podium there when you were 40-something years old. Um, it must be such a cool feeling. Like, Weege and I, Weege, when you go to New Jersey, does anybody, like, uh, cheer for you? Or anybody, like, uh, no, does anybody no, notice? No, I, yeah. I don't have any local fans when I go to the grocery store yeah. back where I grew up. Yeah. I, I, would, I would cheer for you if I saw you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> Dowdy would. He actually but would. Dowdy. You know, with that experience, yeah. that'd be nuts. Yeah. It's got to be nuts, Dowdy, to ride around a track, have fans over the fences, waving T-shirts, waving, pumping their fists. Like, I, that must be the greatest feeling. Well, I remember... Uh, a lot of a lot of times over the years at Topic, I literally feeling the hair on the back of my neck standing up and stuff like you know, yeah. Whether it was before the start or on the pre lap or even late late in the moto when I had some kind of a good moto going, and I'll tell you the the fans, yeah, they were they were always you know very uh, just just loud and into it. I mean, I remember the hot days, the cold, raining, whatever, and they were just out there in groves and really really loud and boisterous, and it was. I mean, it, there was no, there's nothing like it. I can't even explain it. Uh, mm-hmm. And it really helps you. It helps you through those waning waning moments of the of the motos. You know, when you're when you're thinking, oh man, I don't even know if I can go anymore. I can't hold on. And you know, you hear these people, and it just it really helps. You know, lift you and pull you through and get you get you to the checkered flag. You know. Wow. Okay, so then you have this great day where both of you win, and now you're actually friends. So that helps. You and Doug win yeah. the local race. Uh, you you both leave as points leaders. So do you remember, like, after the race, like, either the crowd or your friends or family, like, what was that experience like, the, the high of that, um, however long that lasts? Doug said, hey, yeah, in a few no. days, you got to get ready for the next race. <laughs> yeah, no, we. I think that day I, we went out to eat to that big, I can't even remember the name, I think it was like Chuck's or something, big fancy uh, steakhouse mm-hmm. in Southwick, but. Yeah, it was definitely awesome. I mean, I remember hanging around the track for for hours and hours and hours, and uh, you know, it was just like the whole the whole truck and everybody, you know, Keith and all the guys, John R and Bob Oliver and all the all the crew. Like, it was just uh, something you could only dream of. You know, I couldn't even believe it was happening for myself. You know, I, I shoot, I remember when I first got the opportunity to ride with Yamaha. I was like, holy crap! I didn't, you know, I just couldn't believe it was even happening. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, I I was always kind of too old to be doing it in the first place you know right and somehow somehow i man i managed to you know just kind of shoehorn myself in there all those years and uh i don't know i just i loved it man i wouldn't trade it for the world i loved every minute of it. even hitting that tree last fall i still wouldn't trade it <laughs> even wow <if> he... <laughs> yeah. okay um jeez okay. if that's part of my penance for all the years of yeah. good times I'll, I'll take it yeah absolutely that's a good point uh <laughs> Geez, Dowdy, looking at your 98 outdoor season, 2-2-2-1 two, 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 at Southwick, 3-2-3, three, 7-6, two, three, seven, three, one, 2 You're off the podium two times in 12 races. Wow. Yeah, I don't even, I don't even know what was happening there. I, I, I would have never even believed myself that I, that I could have pulled that off. I don't know why. Ten, ten podiums I, in 12 races, and, and Ricky beat you by 50-something points, by the way. It's still not enough. <laughs> still not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just too, too stubborn to just give up or whatever. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I, you know, I, we had a really great, great team and crew. Like, 
all the guys, like I said, John Arnold, the suspension, the motor. I mean, the bikes were awesome that year, and uh, everybody yeah. was jiving. We everybody had fun. We all hung out. We kind of trained together. Like it was just, it, it could. I don't think I could. You know, you could pick picture a, or, or put together a better scenario. I think overall, and I was just fortunate enough to be a, a part of it. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I never. I never really had trouble kind of working hard myself, like training wise. I always did my 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 work at home. You know, uh, it did get good bike. It, it did get Unadilla. If you remember this, there was an incident between you and RC. There was an incident. Yeah. Can you yeah. take us through that? <laughs> um, it actually wasn't a. I mean, it wasn't a super big deal. I mean, he he just got inside of me, and we were. I mean, we were racing. Unfortunately, there was one of those big round Unadilla hay bales there, right on the edge of the track. I, I don't even know if it was one of those round ones. It was it was some kind of a hay bale. But the the hay bale just just caught me just right as I got pushed off the track and and I went down. I was kind of bummed, but mm-hmm. I was bummed because I actually caught and passed him at that point. Yeah, which which was the more surprising part to me, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I remember you you caught and passed him. He gets you back. It at first looks like a dirty move on his part, like oh, this guy passed me. I'm just going to run him off the track. And then his TV interview, he even says like. Hey, every once in a while, a guy's got to do that to another guy. And it's like, whoa, RC, really turning up the heat. But then a year or two ago, I run into you and your wife. And yeah. She gets fiery, as we know. And she was super mad at RC at the time. And then later on, <laughs> I guess you guys saw different footage and realized you actually hit the hay bale. It wasn't just him ramming you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, came in, he came in hard on the inside, which was, you know, every bit expected. I mean, we were, we were racing for points. And uh, it was just... Yeah. Yep. But he came in hot, and, and he did hit one big braking bump, and you could see from the other camera angle that he was just riding his front wheel all the way to where I was. And, it, I mean, you know, it was racing. I wasn't really upset about it. I mean, I was upset that day, but I was like, I, just because I, I was so excited that I actually caught, I, I caught him and passed him. I couldn't believe that actually happened. And then next thing you know, I was picking my, myself out of a hay bale. I was like, damn. Uh, don't get the wives mad. Do not get the wives mad. Yeah, 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 really, right? Um, <laughs> That's next level. <laughs> Dowdy, do you have uh, – uh, thanks for the time, by the way, on the Lee at uh, Re-Raceables podcast. Do you have – so this 198, you go 1-1 and everyone loses their minds, Southwick. You have the podium in 09 when you're 40-something years old. You have uh, some other great races, like you said, where your shock blew or, or you hit the Renard. Is there one Southwick yeah. that stands out? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. I feel like I. Uh, I feel like they were all amazing for me. You know, I, I never expected any of those, and so, I mean, I won both motos in '97 in the 250 class as well. So that was like a pretty, uh, pretty amazing. I didn't expect to be able to beat, you know, Ricky in the sand. I knew it was my track. Mm-hmm. You know, so '98 was was pretty cool. But you know, again, like you said, we didn't realize he was. He wasn't co- maybe quite as established as the goat as he as he was years later, but uh, but still, we yeah. knew he was the real deal. Yeah, yeah. I feel and, like he uh, wasn't. I feel like he wasn't quite. You know, he was still not quite in great shape, right? He hadn't really hooked up yet with Johnny, and, and yeah, you know, he yep. he was still yep. short. And like we said, you know, ah, oh, he's short. Can he ride a two fifty? You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's too short. Yeah. Like, there was that kind of stuff going around. But yeah, ultimately, guess what? He figured everything out. So yeah, yeah. I, I kind of feel like well, maybe Ricky picked up right where where Doug Henry left off, where me and Doug Henry were just battling each other, and then in, in 98, here it was, there was Ricky. I was like, man, 
It's like another Doug Henry comic. <laughs> You're just like, I can't get away from these people. I can't get away from them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, it, but I, you know, it was, it's awesome. I, I, uh, I love, you know, being able to race with these guys and I feel like it, it, I'm sure it elevated my game in one way or another, you know, just chasing these guys around and them guys blowing by me and at whatever points of the moto and this and that, it's just, you know how it is racing. Yeah. It, it just makes for good racing too. And, uh, I mean, I, like I said, I wouldn't trade any of my memories for the world. It's it's been a it's been a great ride. Yeah, oh, I, I, yeah, absolutely, fantastic career, um, and one that went on forever, and one that was so unexpected. You know, when you talk about you, there's a there's a photo of you in '87, uh, looking pretty goony on a KX500 <laughs> and seven seventy six or whatever, and then. Like literally four years later, you win a national. Like, yes, it's muddy, but I don't care. You still win a national four years after this yeah. photo is taken. You know, I was actually still pretty goony when I won the national, but it was everybody was so <laughs> goony because of the mud that no one realized that as, as much. You know, but right, right. I mean, I I probably had one of the worst styles of of the speed that I had. Probably, may, I might even I don't know if you, if you could possibly find a statistic on that. I bet you I could win that award. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> nobody had you as a future 125 Supercross champion. Nobody had that in, in the books. Not even me. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even on my radar. I was uh, like, man, I'd be, that'd be cool if I could like hang in there in top three or something. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the sand, <laughs> local sand guy that gets third in 89 just because he knows the track well and all of that wins a Supercross title. Like, that just doesn't, that doesn't happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Hey, last thing for me. You I know, just ask about this. Uh, oh, go ahead, John. Go ahead. Yep. I was going to say, I was just going to touch on the 89. I, I remember getting third and, I, and everybody was just amazed and blown away and myself as well. But I went to, I think Mount Morris the very next weekend. I got like, I think I went like 21, 24 and I didn't even crash or anything. I wrote, <laughs> I just thought I was going as fast as I could possibly go. And I didn't even make the top 20. Oh, geez. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, like, yeah, he's just one, he's just a Southwick specialist. He'll never go anywhere. Yeah, he'll never he'll make never, it, right? Yep. Yeah. He'll never make it. It's, yeah. Um, I just got myself on a radar with a third, and then I just blew myself right back off the radar with the 20th. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just going to ask your involvement with the uh, Southwick and the, the National right now. You're, are, you, are you locked and loaded? Are you working 24-hour days here to get ready for this thing? No, nah, it's, it's not too bad. I, you know, I don't want to jinx myself. I should be knocking on wood right now, but you know, we're, we're doing okay. Like it was a little bit of a last minute, you know, on the schedule kind of thing. So, yeah. uh, you know, the Keith, the Keith Johnson and, and, his, and the family, Rick, and, uh, we, we sort of decided to not really, uh, go with any big changes or anything on the track as far as building new, new, you know, VIP things or this or that. So more or less we're, we're kind of running everything as it was, you know, so uh, because of that, we're not in too bad a shape. You know, we're fixing yep. fences and clearing trees and just, you know, kind of getting as much of the sand back up on the track and everything as we can. But we're uh, we're doing all right. I'm going to be there all next week, you know, probably, you know, day sun up, sun down or whatever. Right. But well, we'll, we'll be ready, hopefully. We'll be ready. Hopefully it goes and it's, and it's good, you know. We asked uh, a last one for me, too. We asked Doug the same question. I'll ask you, taking you – and Doug, out of the equation, I love asking every NEIC guy this question. Taking you and Doug out, who's the fastest guy at Southwick? I mean, Larusso and Barton and JoJo and Finkelday and and uh, Waddington. And, and, you know, who's the fastest guy at uh, at Southwick that you, that you know that you've ever seen outside of you and Doug? Man, you're putting me on a spot with that one. I know. That's what's great about the question. 
I I really wasn't um I didn't I wasn't around to see like John Finkel Day in his prime and Okay. Maybe even JoJo, I think, you know, JoJo was already uh you know, maybe sort of coming down off that peak when I started right. racing and stuff. So I, I don't know if you know if I really witnessed those guys in their prime, but uh I do remember Pat Barton leading leading one of those 125 races one year. Yeah, 88. So like two laps to go or yep. was it 88 or 80, something? 88, yeah. 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 And I'll tell you Pat all the local races, like he, he was hard to beat there, well, in in my era, anyways. You know, and I and I can only speak from that. But uh, sure, that's the same uh, I mean, question, same answer that Doug gave. Did he say Pat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we always joke around with Pat because we would go up to Maine where it's like a hard pack track, and it was this there was this little powdery, useless berms. They'd be like you know fifty feet past the corner. And the inside was all off-camera hardback, and Barton would be like, he would be on the gas going past the corner looking for those berms up there. Like, he would go he would go <laughs> a mile out of the way to rail a berm instead of trying to do a hardback. He, he needed he needed something to bounce off of, right. Yeah, yeah. So he was, he was, uh, he was a berm dude, man. There was right. no doubt. So when he got to Southwick, he was in his, in his glory. Right. Well, uh, so. thanks to Liet for uh, this podcast at Maxis and Blenzall. And, and most of all, thank you, Dowdy. Thanks for the trip down memory lane. What a day, Southwick '98. What a day! And thanks for thinking of me. I'm, I'm glad. It's nice to be remembered a little bit. I feel like I'm uh, kind of all all forgotten these days. It's been so long since I was out there, but it's uh, it's nice to hear from you guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Dowdy. See you guys. See ya. Thanks, Dowdy. Good stuff. Uh, Weed, uh, you met, you worked with a man as arena cross uh, play by play, or you were play by play. He was color commentary. Yeah, we did work in Arena Cross, and uh, this is why we knew, I think both of you and I knew going into these interviews with Doug and Dowd that it would be a lot of, I don't really have a lot of details, because <laughs> I would ask, this is my favorite, like, yeah, so Dowd and I did Arena Cross TV for a while, and we'd fly in together and share the rental car and hang out, so I, of course, just want to ask Doug Henry stories. So, I remember saying, like, dude, you were always in, like, unbelievable shape. Like, Dowd was gnarly late in the moto, yeah. right, Steve? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like... What did you do? Like, what was your training? This is like pre-Alden Baker years. So I'm like, did he have some secret or something? And he's just like, I don't know. If I got tired, I would just train harder the next week and then get less tired the next race. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. Yeah. There we go, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would just train harder. Yeah. I mean, duh, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. Liet Re-Raceables. Thanks to Maxis and Blenzol, of course. If you want a code to save it, Liet. Whether it's on the nine nine point five 8.5 helmets, the flex lock boots, the velocity goggles, the the, the knee pads, uh, the shoulder uh, braces, the chest protectors, whatever it is, uh, email us using the contact form of Pulp MX, and we will get you a code to save at Liat.com. Maxis and Blenzel, of course, also on the uh, on the show. So, um, all right, do you think it's uh, think it's time for categories here, or anything else for for this? I, I think we're good. I mean, honestly, having those two guys describe it, how are we going to do better than that? That's a good point. Yeah, you're absolutely. So we have some categories. We do this every every time for the show, and uh, um, let's get into it, shall we? Uh, all right. Ninety eight. This is again. This is. Uh, I hate to do this, but we we got to do it. Ninety eight uh, Southwick. Who really won the race? I mean, we kind of talking about both guys. So let's let's narrow it down to you have to pick one of the Yamaha oh, New like England it. guys. Like yes. Yeah. Let, yeah. yeah. Let's uh, let's do that one. Um, I'm gonna go. John Dowd, because Ricky was an unstoppable force. And as we talked about, uh, even if uh, Ricky's bike doesn't break, Dowdy goes 1-1 on the day anyways. Um, so I'm going to go John Dowd. 
Yeah, that's it, dude. He beat Carmichael straight up in a moto. I, I that that's where I was gonna go. I was hoping you would say Henry just so I'd have something new to say, but he beat Ricky Carmichael. Congrats, John Dowd. <laughs> exactly right. There's not much else to say uh, to that. Um, who's that guy award? So I'll go first, or you you, you have somebody? Uh, I do. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I gotta go. find him here in the. Uh, is this a 250 class? I even tried. I even tried to do some research. Uh, shoot. I got the wrong class. I thought it was in 125s, but I got to find him in the 250s. Uh, here it is. Okay. 23rd overall, hailing from Matawan, New Jersey, Pete Yastrzemski. <laughs> Congratulations. But what I don't understand about Pete is he goes 40-40. I, I know. I'm looking at these results, too. It says 40-40 for 23rd overall. Right. So, okay, he's nobody around him scores any points, so they're all tied with zero. I understand that, but why is Pete with 40-40 listed ahead of guys who actually did finish motos? That's what I can't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm seeing 40-40 in the vault and the Racer X online uh, results, which are the same, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally confused. And then he's from New Jersey, so I'm like, man, I, I thought I would have heard of this guy because I was deep, deep into the flagging years by sure. 98. Yeah. I was going to English Town every weekend. And you and never a lot heard of the other names in here. Never heard of Yastrzemski. No, uh, Lee Rothstein, 28th overall. Oh, yeah, Lee Rothstein and Joel Dangler, who's listed as 40th overall. Ironically, Dangler going 23-22 for 40th. <laughs> I'm almost wondering if Dangler and Pete Yastrzemski's results are flipped. Actually, you, I think you could flip the whole thing because uh, Ben Asaf goes 22-24, right? So Ben yep. would be the next yep. closest after Dangler. So that's – There you go. We need to flip this whole thing starting from Pete to Dangler. Yeah. Anyway, Pete Yastrzemski, you made the motos. I think you went 40-40. You still made the motos. I never heard of you. I know that I would watch um, Rothstein and Dangler if Karsten and Wallace weren't there that weekend. If they were off doing some other race to probably make contingency money. Dangler and Rothstein would put on these hellacious battles in what we called pro-expert class in New Jersey. And here they are racing Southwick on an off weekend. Um, So Pete Yastrzemski, never heard of you. And I even reached out to our buddy Nash. Oh. But he said, ah, Matawan, that's North Jersey, out of, out of his range. <laughs> out of his range? Wow. South okay, all right. Yes. Uh, shout yes. out to Barry, by the way, 15-18, just like clockwork. Uh, oh, rock solid. Um, I'm going to go, so you, you went with Pete. I'm going to go the rider right ahead of him who got one point on the day. He's a local uh, from Berlin, Connecticut. Yes. Eric Robbie. Never heard of Eric Robbie. Um, but this man scored a point. And and I can tell you how hard that is to get in the top 20 of the national. Uh, so, Eric Robbie, you got one point in the second moto. You rode a Suzuki. You're from Berlin, Connecticut. You're the Who's That Guy Award. I've never heard of you. Um, clicking on the vault, uh, he rode uh, Southwick the next year, got 25th overall, and that's it. Two Southwicks, and call it a day for Eric Robbie. Uh, yeah, I'm just assuming he's got local track knowledge. Right. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> Lit Kid Award. For this one, well, again, everyone's covered in mud. It's not an easy, easy look. But I, I'm probably 98. I'm probably gonna go uh, Carmichael's Axel stuff. I think this was an Axel oh. year for Carmichael, and yes, looked pretty good uh, on the PC with the number one, um, giant number one on his back, and uh, really good look. I, I'll go Axel, Carmichael, because hey, I wasn't. I'll tell you what, it wasn't the, the FMF Thor stuff. That's for sure. Oh, okay. This would have been the end of AXO, I think, right? Because 99, I believe Carmichael, He's Fox. half of the season. Yep. 
Well, he raced Fox all year, but the thing was that the team was supposed to be Thor, I believe, right? You so, know what? Yeah, this might have been. You know what? This might have been Thor. I don't no. think so, man. Let's look because Ramsey. Oh no, Ramsey wins a ninety-nine with Thor. Yeah, Ramsey's on Pro Circuit wins the title in ninety-nine with Thor. I know that for sure. So I think you're right. Yes. Yep. Uh, so I think this is. I had not realized that this is kind of the end of the AXO deal we, last year with Carmichael and with Mitch. Wow. Should we play some taps uh, or something for for AXO? Because yeah, this is literally it, right? They were so good, dude. They were so good in their time. Yeah. And um, I'm gonna go lit kit. Um, no surprise, Fox had some pretty good stuff going. Uh, but I will go with Yogi's kit. I don't want to pick what Henry was wearing because that's too obvious to pick one of the race winners. I guess Henry and Dowd were both. They were the same. It was a team yep. deal. Yep. Team it's deal. Team deal. Right. Yep. So just to mix it up and not just make it all Henry Dowd, I will go with Yogi. And I have no idea what his gear looked like because he was covered in mud, but I'm sure it was great. Uh, fro stuff probably looked good too. Fro shift. So. Oh, fro shift stuff. Oh yeah. Um, when you talk about clean, and that's what everybody always says they want. Shift had that dialed in back then. It yeah. was just block. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. good. It was great. Uh, re- re- Reraceables category. Where's JT? Well, he's going 18 17. Um, mm-hmm. This is his first year on the circuit. Uh, no, 97 was. Sorry, 97 was. So this is yeah. second year on the circuit. 18 17 uh, for JT. So points, both motos, total mutter. Frank probably worked his balls off on this day. Oh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. JT in the 125 class. Yeah. No, this is two fifties. No, no, JT's two fifties. Oh, he went straight oh, up. He's, he's two fifties now. Oh, yeah, yeah, he went straight up. Is this because JT is such a such a massive man that it was just the one twenty five just couldn't pull him around? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, he's just too huge. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, Lee at Reraceables, Jacob Marsack Award for the rider who does the best that uh, you don't remember or you don't want to talk about weeds. Do you have a guy? Yeah. So this is not. Uh, hey, it's impressive that you know Button got second overall. That's not what we mean, right? It, 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 we I, mean, I mean, I wouldn't even go. Having a result this good, I wouldn't even say Keith Johnson qualifies for this, and he goes four nine. Well, that's where I was going to go. Oh. I mean, fourth in a moto for KJ is awesome, but at Southwick, this was possible. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. So Southwick, it becomes almost impossible to to do that. Oh no, there's a gentleman who stands out. No, oh really? Oh yeah. But it's not any of the local guys. No, nope. not um, no. Nope. Bruce Stratton from New York getting fifth at a moto, or, or our buddy Treddy going 1911 Treadwell. or 17th. My, my name's Mike Treadwell and Pat Bott. Treadwell's awesome. Yeah, Treadwell's yeah. great. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, recovering right now, I think, from a bad crash. So if you're, yeah, if, yeah. hopefully he can get up there. No, my guy is is Stratton. Oh, Bruce Stratton okay. counts as a Jacob Marsak. I mean, Bruce Stratton never had a factory ride. Bruce Stratton was a privateer through and through, Earlville, New York. Uh, fifth place in Moto One. Bruce had a lot of good Moto finishes. You go look up his results in the vault. I know Bruce well over the years. I traveled with him. Good dude, really friendly. Still see him at, at Unadilla every year. Uh, I don't know what happened in Moto Two because he got 18th, but fifth place in a Moto, and he is as privateer as privateer comes. Uh, nice work, nice work, um, uh, Bruce Stratton. Okay, I was just thinking. A, mud race. B, he's from New York. He probably knows mud and this track to a degree. So he does not count like you say Keith Johnson does. He does not count as a, as a local. All right, then fine. I'm going to go Keith Johnson. He got fourth in a moto. Uh, I remember in the YZ250F days, there was a brief moment where the overall was so jacked up. The, the Remember the year with Pastrana and Langston were... Yeah, this was easy water, right? This is easy water? I think it was. Yeah. So there's a year where Pastrana and Langston were making bets over who would win the national, and they both 
crashed their brains out, basically. Yep. yep. And it was like, who the hell is going to win this overall? There was like a brief time where like Keith Johnson was like sitting on like a 3-2 to win the overall. So I know this isn't like the best, but fine. I'm still going to give it to KJ, fourth in a moto. Good on you. All right. Yeah, fair enough. I, mean, I know I, he's a local. Uh, yeah, I don't now. quite yeah. count it, but that's fine. Whatever. I, you can't. This category is impossible on a track like this. It was built for guys like Keith Johnson to dominate. Like, this is what they did every year. Okay. All right. But it's still awesome. Um, no, absolutely. It, it's great. Um, Danny Smith, 26-11. Steve Mathis tuned. 17th overall. Okay. Couldn't tell you one goddamn thing about any moto or anything about that day as far as myself and Danny Smith. So random wow. that I don't uh, – I, yeah. So There's not many races like that? Not really. There's always something like either the, the, the rental car ride or, or what we did after mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, a bike uh, thing that came up or, or somebody on the team. Like I, I'm surprised that I can't even remember Sheik getting third overall because we sucked as a team. So you would think that we'd be stoked for that third overall by Sheik. Yeah. And I would remember the third overall, but nope, got nothing. So, yep. Um, all right, Lee at Reraceables. So thanks to Doug Henry. Thanks to John Dowd. Um, hey, if you guys have an idea for a category, uh, DM Weed Your Eye on Instagram and give us some ideas on funny categories. I was thinking about that. Maybe we'll add a couple. If uh, you listeners have a couple good ideas, uh, could be funny. Um, so DM us on that and uh, tell a friend about it. And if you want to save on Liant, uh, email us using the uh, Pulp Mex code. I'll send you a uh, a code to save uh, with Liant. And uh, yeah, Weej, we we uh, we got to figure out our next one. We haven't really uh, we got a Daytona in the bank. We'll release some point uh, with JB, but uh, we gotta we gotta figure it out. Well, I mean, it's easy with these nationals. We're just finding awesome events at the racetrack that's coming up next on the calendar. So maybe we just need to find an amazing uh, Millville or Washougal soon. Maybe what we should do, if we want to continue the re-raceables tradition that we've now established with guys not really knowing about the race, there's only one man to call next, and that would be the great Tim Ferry about any race. <laughs> to just add to the, I don't to, really remember. Right, to add to the, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was a good day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I am just impressed that he remembered that that uh, high point was his first win, and and talked about that with <laughs> he, Swole. I was and, impressed, and he does remember that you called him a test rider. He does remember that. He does yes. remember that. He yes, remember he, that. he lets you yes. know that. Right. Of all of all things, Timmy, come on. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So yep. we'll probably get Red Dog on here at some point. So uh, Weech, thanks a lot, man. These are a lot of fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Weech. All right. Congrats to everyone at Southwick. The Rippers, they did it. <laughs>